New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. I'm back to finish up the Quinella. The five times you get to hear me from Friday night to uh, Monday morning, just about. Holly came from Miami, FLA. At the cusp of when all of a sudden Dominic Carter comes on at 12 midnight and acts as a barrier before Frank Morano, the other side of midnight, uh, returns from 1 to 5 Monday through Fridays. And, oh, I have the Frank Morano crew here, all white boys all the time. Over the weekends, I got all the brothers and sisters. And now we know we're going through the transition because... We were all redlined from the barbecue on Saturday because of uh, our complexions, which were not our protections. We'll get into that later on. Matt Blaze, um, you can tell your friend Frank Morano that that egg salad that he left as a consolation prize in the refrigerator, that he wanted us to burp the Tupperware every hour, was laying up there for two weeks. So we'll fix you because we know how Frank loves the fromage, the cheese. We brought a little Limburger cheese. And let me suggest that you don't burp the Tupperware at all with Limburger cheese. Oh. Well, why am I playing Lou Reed? Because in addition to going 24-7-365 on the weekends, where WABC stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. Is that I felt uh, I would be a bit instructive today with all these new terms that describe gender identity and sexual expression brought by the hipsters and millennials, Generation X, Y, and Z. We baby boomers don't know what the hell they're talking about, and they want to keep it that way. You know, it's sort of like you never tell somebody you know Spanish because when they're cursing you out and dissing and dismissing you, you can just stand there and wait till they're finished and say, Psycho busted! I know exactly what you called me. You called me a pato, huh? By the way, there are three different gender identification terms, sexual identity terms that cover the Spanish word pato. Oh, we got our work cut out for us today. Very, very important because I am self-appointing myself as an adjunct professor of gender identification from probably the most liberal progressive uh, college in our five boroughs of the city of New York, Hunter College. Absolutely, it has produced more liberal and progressive teachers than any institution across America. So... I want to stop this label that I've been tagged with as a gender bender. I want to end this once and for all, ladies and gentlemen. And I'll tell you what that means. That as a high school dropout, we have to first bring everybody's attention disorder to order because so many of you have attention disorder. Oh, you're multitasking, right? You're watching TV. You're watching uh, your kids, your grandchildren. You're watching that that pot of pasta bars. Ooh, you have up on the stove. You're wondering uh, what the hell it was that Joe Piscopo from 6 to 8 was eating as he brought in his wicker basket with his imported Italian wine and his brie cheese. Oh, my God, I hate au fromage. 
You're wondering all of that, right? And I want you to get focused. I want you to be anal. I want you to understand that if you don't pick up the terminology, you're not going to know what your children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren are saying, and they're going to laugh at you and make fun of you. So let's get their attention. No, you're not going to the can. No uh, laboratory privileges for you. Yeah, I see, laboratory. That's an old school term. Oh, yeah. We're going to be talking about that later on. The PSA about when the atom bomb drops. Maybe, maybe I might have to apologize to the swagger man, Eric Adams, who has no plan about crime, because he dropped that PSA. Maybe it was fortuitous because the Ayatollah Khomeini... In the aftermath of the visit of our President Joe Biden uh, to uh, Saudi Arabia, the land of Mecca and Medina, has now said, we got the bomb. That's right. We got the bomb right here in Tehran. So you can imagine, if you were the Iranians, what city would you want to hit? Well, of course you'd want to hit a Israeli city. There's more Jews in Israel, and it's the size of New Jersey. But... If you had to go for a second choice, where are you going to find the most Jews to kill? New York City, right? That's why the terrorists always come for the World Trade Center. When uh, in the first World Trade Center attack uh, involving... uh, hmm. Just remember his name. He was the blind-eyed sheikh. Sheikh Omar Abdel Rahman wearing the Santa Claus hat. Blind as a bat. And yet he was the inspiration for that first attack that eventually led to the successful attack on 9-11. And what was the rationale given? We wanted to find a place where we could kill as many Jews as possible because Israel is the little Satan and America is the big Satan, right? We'll get to all of that later on. And as you know, if you were listening this afternoon between 3 and 5 at about 3.45, I went absolutely nuts, berserk. I saw the mongrels going uptown on their ATVs, their quads, their dirt bikes. They were flipping the bird to everybody, kicking cars, acting like the wild one. You remember Marlon Brando and the wild one? Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I walked over to the 17th precinct. I walked in there and they say, Sliwa, it's only two blocks away, Sliwa. We know, we know, we know. Oh, couldn't do anything. We're not permitted to do anything. Well, I've come up with a master plan of what we're going to do with... These enemies of society on their ATVs, their quads, their dirt bikes. Oh, I've got a great plan for them. We can't depend on Eric Adams, the swagger man, and the $5,000 customized suits. He's got no plan for them. And the NYPD told me cold turkey today after I went berserk on the air. Nothing we can do, Curtis. Uh, can't do anything. Well, <laughs> you want to be listening. And then, uh, don't forget, 11 o'clock, the most listened to, the most called into segment of the many segments that I do here at WABC, the Animal Welfare Hour, with my uh, beautiful wife, Nancy, the Animal Rescuer Par Excellence. And then I think uh, it's Dominic Carter who is going to act as the buffer. By the way, did Dominic Carter have a barbecue in Pomona in Rockland County where even the... The jockeys, the lawn jockeys are white in Rockland County? Because he didn't invite me to that barbecue either. Oh, yeah, I got beef with Dominic Carter, the brother, and I got beef with the mighty whitey Frank Morano and his crew. Alex the brown nose. 
Mad plays. Oh, mad, 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 mad. And I'm stuck with them tonight. So are we ready to go through the terminology? I am going to educate all of you so that you know what all these hipsters, millennials, are saying behind your back as they make fun of you. Because they have created now, believe it or not, 72 terms that describe gender identity and sexual expression. 72. And I just want to boil it down. Common sense. This is going to be my policy. Remember, I am the self-appointed adjunct professor of gender identification from Hunter College. They don't know that yet, but they'll find out. Because I want to stop this label that I and others and many of you have been tagged with for being a gender bender. And believe it or not, there is a term called gender bender. All right, are you ready to take meticulous notes? Alex, the brown nose, please do, and turn them over to Frank Morano on the other side of midnight that you can listen to from 1 to 5, Monday through Fridays. Oh, by the way, quick update. I am just one radio behind in the ratings war. As you know, Frank Morano, he busts his buttons and bridges with pride. What a braggart. What braggart, don't you? Oh, I'm the ratings leader with WABC. He was. He still is, but barely. I promised my audience that I would supersede him by July 4th. Well, I'm a dollar short a day late, but by Labor Day, oh yeah, September 4th, the deed will be done. Because he started out with 17 radios turned on to the other side of midnight for every 100 radios turned on to WABC. And that pushed him well in the front until I came off the campaign trail because I lost Eric Adams. And uh, John Katsimatidis, five days later, had me back on the air with a lifetime contract, 30-year no-cut contract, until the day I died. And then the war began. I was 13 radios to 17. Now he's down to 15. I'm up to 14, huh? I need my music there, Matt. Well, 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 he's trying to cut into this. Oh, by the way, Frank Moreno, what did he do? He invited me to go to a Cyclones game today. He said, oh, me and Rachel and Carmine, we're going to a Cyclones game. Traditor that he is. What happened to the Ferry Hawks, huh? So he tries to lure me to Coney Island. He says, oh, I got tickets here. I thought you'd want to see Carmine. At 2.30 in the afternoon, he knows I'm on 3 to 5 on Sundays. So I'll be absent and then fired. And then have to get a job hanging wallpaper somewhere, maybe in Boca Raton, the sixth borough of the city of New York and Florida. Oh, no. He didn't sucker me on that. So I want all of you taking meticulous notes and asking questions, ladies and gentlemen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's right. I'm on Frank Morano's jockstrap. I will supersede him and be the ratings leader. And let me give word to Sid and Bernie, who were all big and bad on me. Thursday morning, 7 o'clock, they lured me in because they never want me on the show. I basically have to muscle my way in. This time, he said, no, no, we want we want you in studio. They set me up. It was the Venus flytrap because they wanted me to spring on my partner on Saturdays, which you can listen to first, Anthony Weiner in the middle from 2 to 3, and then it's the left versus right, Anthony Weiner versus Curtis Lee, 3 to 4, because he had been the poster child, front page, New York Post Thursday, you remember seeing that, Matt, right? Huma to the left, Bradley Cooper to the right, and who is peering over the shoulder of Bradley Cooper, who's snacking on Huma, his former wife, but Anthony Weiner, incredulously, but he wouldn't answer any questions. So he came on at 3 on Saturday, and Sid and Bernie said, you won't dare 
You wouldn't dare question him on that, right? Nah, nah, you're too weak, you're too soft. You don't have coolions. You don't have huevos. I said, oh, you're goading me, huh? And so I started out with the uh, song that Bradley Cooper sang along with uh, Lady Gaga, Thunder Thighs, remember? The Academy uh, Academy Awards song, the Emmy Awards song. I have no idea what the song was. But Anthony Weiner didn't even know it was Bradley Cooper. And I just, I was relentless. And who was listening? The New York Post. Before we had finished the hour, they already published the article. It was already online. So, hey, Sid and Bernie, you going to question my manhood? Are they going to apologize tomorrow when they come back on from 6 to 10? Of course not. They're going to act like it never happened. So let me educate all of you about these 72 terms that describe gender, identity, and sexual expression. I know this will be shocking to some of you, but let's start with the premise... That if you are intellectually disabled like I am, let's make it simple. Uh, If you are a woman, you're XX, right? That's your chromosomes, XX. You're stuck with that no matter what you do to your body. You could slice yourself. You could dice yourself. You could remove your breasts. You could remove your ovaries. You're still XX, right? And, man, if all of a sudden you're in a midlife crisis and you decide that you want to identify with the other gender, so you actually... Get a bris, but it's a complete bris from the moil, or maybe even Rabbi Potashnik blindfolded with a Ginsu and Rambo knife, and now all of a sudden, instead of Matt, you're Marlene. It doesn't matter. You don't have anatomically your equipment, but you still have your chromosome XY. And maybe that's why so many guys are confused, because they don't know if they're an X, they don't know if they're a Y. The point is, your chromosomes remain the same, so let's keep that as the standard identification. I will now come up to all of you and say, what are you? Only answer XX or XY. I don't want to hear the 72 terms, but I need to educate you on that. Because many people use the terms gender and sex interchangeably. However, gender and sex actually refer to two separate things. So make a column, put JMJ at the top of the the, uh, the piece of loose leaf, your stationary, JMJ, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, like we had to do in Catholic school. Make a margin on the side, and now make a line right down the middle. Because on one side, you're going to have XX, the other side, you're going to have XY. Gender is an identity, your personal sense of who you are. The term can also refer to socially constructed categories. Here we go with the $5 words, the multi-syllabic words, that relate to what it means to be a man or a woman. Now, I know everybody pretty much knows I'm a man, I'm a woman. You might be gay, you might be bi, you might be poly. We'll get into all of that. But you're still either a man or a woman, right? No, not according to the 72 terms. Sex refers to biological and physiological characteristics. Here we go with the $5 words again. Your genitals, your hormones, and your chromosomes all relate to your sex. Do I make myself clear? Does everybody understand that? Or we're not taking this class any further? Uh, You know, special ed, okay, I can handle that because all my cousins... Uh, my Supreme Cousines in PS114, uh, Lenny Beans, Bianchino, and Joey G, the Cheats from Howard Beach, they were special ed. I was in 4A. They were in 4F. F for failure. 
So let's get into what gender identity is. Class, your gender identity is your personal sense of self. It's who you are. It's your whole essence. It's your being. It's how you as an individual conceptualize your own gender. It matters not anatomically what you are. It's what you're feeling at that very moment. That could be subject to change moment to moment. One moment you may feel like a man. The next minute you may say, nah, I feel like a washwoman. And you know something? We have to respect that. Because you are subject to change. Hey, look. Um, many people out there have multiple personalities like Sybil. Right? Or better yet, like Nurse Ratchet. Right? Hey, look. it's Or better yet... In that great classic Misery, Misery, oh, I loved that film, took my adversary James Caan, they tied him up in the bed, she was so good. Who am I talking about there? Award-winning, Academy Award-winning, multi-personalities, the best performance ever in a lifetime. What actress am I speaking about? 1-800-848-9222. We'll see if they're paying attention. You know, like, uh, this is... Uh, Welcome back, Carter and the Sweat Hawks. Ooh, ooh, pick me, pick me, pick me. Naturally, you'd all pick Travolta, not realizing that maybe his gender or his sexual expression has changed from the time he was in uh, Saturday Night Fever to the time where he was all dressed up as a woman. Yes, like almost all actors are. Even Joe Piscopo, that's right, Cole busted you, Joe. You and Eddie Murphy on Saturday Night Live. Oh, you were dancing and prancing, and you all primped up, and you seemed like you enjoyed feeling that sexual female side of your body, that X versus that Y chromosome. Am I making sense? Am I making sense? Of course I am. Because if I'm not, they're not going to lock me up in the Looneyville. Nobody gets locked up in a mental hospital or psychiatric facility any longer and don't they have medicine for that they can stabilize me of course they do but i won't take it our number is 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-WABC so let's get to gender expression now that is quite different than your gender identity see you got the line down the middle at top jesus mary and joseph you got the column on the side Make sure, though, you're not using a Sharpie because it'll bleed through the stationery. You have to use a Bic pen because if you're wrong, you're going to have to poke yourself in the eye. Remember, there's no, there's no recovery for a failed mark, and a failed mark is back to the old standard 65. No, 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 not social promotion where if you inhale and you exhale, you pass. Oh, pass me. He's inhaled, he's exhaled. No, 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 no. Back to the old 65. Below 65, you fail. Now it's like, hey, can we compromise? If you got a 35, can we discuss the answers you got right? And then we'll socially promote you. No. No, 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 no. This is old school. Gender expression is how you express your gender identity. Matt, you could be doing this through your attire, your clothing, your behavior, and your gesticulations. Does that have anything to do with your three-piece set, gesticulations? It's another $5 word, multisyllabic. All meant to fool us. The letters continue because it's important not to make assumptions about someone's gender based on how they look. Ah, too easy to just look at somebody and say, ah, that's a man, that's a woman. That's a transvestite. That's a transgender. No, 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 no. 
Let's start with AFAB. Now, I know many of you out there are AARP. Oh, God, do I remember when I was 49 years old every freaking day, junk mail. Oh, you're going to be 50. You broke the half century, Mark Curtis. You're a lucky guy. Nobody expected you to live past 35. And look at all these free tchotchkes we had. Free trips, reduction on insurance, reduction on everything, including depends, because you're soon going to be needing to wear it below your navel and on your face. Because Dr. Fauci is not going to let us escape putting masks back on. Every freaking day, I got that literature, that junk mail from AARP. They've kept the U.S. Postal Service that Frank Morano loves alive, AARP, with the junk mail. But AFAB is different. It is not a senior citizen organization in competition with the AARP. It means assigned female at birth, which goes back to what I said, your XX. Not like Malcolm X and Screwy Louis Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. No, they give an X to everybody. No, no. You're double X. And then there's AMAB. Sounds like a new organization to take on the UFC. You know, mixed martial arts. That's right. Hey, Joe Rogan, get in the ring. We'll see who's more of a macho man because this means assigned male at birth. You got those two terms here? You guys doing well here? Oh, I know the brown nose here, Alex. Oh, he's all into it. Oh, I'm Mensa. I'm Mensa. Frank will probably give him a brownie prize. Anyway, by gender. Now, he's okay. It's a little tricky here. This term describes someone who identifies with two different genders at the same time. Now, that. I kid you not. There are 72 of these terms. I would say that person's confused, right? You're either one or the other at that moment. Nope. I'm both at the same time. Bifurcate me. Cut me in half like an amoeba in biology class. I'm both at the same time. I'm both a woman and I'm both a man. Okay, I'm not going to fight you. Remember, according to the lessons of the day, you are the only person who can declare what you are at that moment, that minute, that hour, that day, that week, that month, and we all must respect that. Oh, yeah, there is the term butch. Oh, I thought that would have been eliminated, especially for the heterosexuals. How dare butch? That was my cousin, Butchie. You know, Butchie was a lush. No, 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 that's not a name. That is an identification of a person who is considered masculine. Cisgender. Yeah, cisgender. We've heard that. I thought it was sissy, right? No, you can't call a person sissy. But it has nothing to do with being a sissy. It's a term used to describe people who exclusively identify with the sex and gender they were assigned at birth. Hey, that's me, right? I'm a, I think I'm a heterosexual, right? You never know. It's a very confusing time, but... For the most part, when I look at my birth certificate, you know, it doesn't even say on my birth certificate. I'll never forget. I was birthed at Brooklyn Hospital. It was March 26, 1954. Dr. Duckman smacked me on my duch, my tup, my tuchus and my dupa, and I've been talking ever since. Thirteen pounds at birth, and my father, Chester, didn't think that I was his son because I was too big. And, by the way, my eyes made me look like a Chinese baby. And he said, that's not my son. There was no DNA test. How do you know the babies weren't mixed up in the infirmary back then? There was no way to know other than the name tag, right? 
He swore that's not my son. But naturally, my mother, Francesca, Chester, I know my son. She said, give him a name. We got to come up with a name in 48 hours. So what did my father do? He came up with a name, Curtis. What the hell? Ever since I've walked around with the name Curtis, everybody thinks I'm an African-American. I'm a brother because almost every Curtis you know is black. Boy, that was my dad's revenge. No Chinese guy would be named Curtis, right? Oh, God. This brings back the memories. It's painful, but it's laughable. Now, how about this one? Okay, Alex, you're the brown nose here. You're the Mensa guy. Feminine of center. Now, what the hell does feminine of center mean? There is a description. It means a person who experiences their gender as feminine or femme. Now, wait a second. We weren't allowed to call somebody a femme. That was a no-no. But in this context, you can. You can say you're feminine of center, a.k.a. you're a femme. Some feminine of center people also identify with the word woman, but others choose not to. Now let's get down to the basis of the word femme that we were told was a derogatory word. You should never call a young man or an associate a femme. Unless you happen to be homosexual yourself, that was okay. But femme is a label for a gender identity or expression that describes someone with a gender that is or leans towards feminine. What the hell is all this nonsense? Let's go back, guys, right? Come on. You're an XY. You're confused. You don't know if you're an X. You don't know if you're a Y. The only ones who are stable are the women because they're XX. They can never be a Y. Female to male, FTM. That's like an ATM machine. I hope if you go there, you know, you go to your ATM machine. <laughs> Women. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I got to use the FTM machine <laughs> because it's female to male. Only, only people online are female to males. This term is mostly commonly used to refer to trans males, trans men, and some trans masculine people who are assigned female at birth. Meaning, they're an XX. Gender apathetic. Oh, I love this term. Gender apathetic. Gender apathetic means someone who doesn't strongly identify with any gender or with any gender labels. Well, what the hell are they? Apathetic? Gender apathetic. I don't know. I don't know what I feel like, you know. Give me any label you want. I'm no gender at all. I'm just a schlub. I'm just a pisher. I'm just a schmendrick. I'm just like Frank Morano walking around with a pocket protector, you know, filled with Sharpies and pens and number two pencils. And then all of a sudden I emerge as a macho man. When you look at the racket report, yeah, I got my shiny pinstripe suit, right, that makes me look like a Gambino guy. Yeah, go ahead, uh, WABCRadio.com. Look, look at all the podcasts. Look at the difference. Frank Morano, who is gender apathetic with his pocket protector and his lapel pins. Oh, if you if you like the lapel pin, you get the lapel pin. Never liked any of them. <laughs> Keep it, Frank. But then all of a sudden, he's flexing like he just came out of the gym. You know, with his pinstripe suit that glows in the dark. The Racket Report. Oh, my God. That's a guy who has multiple personalities and multiple genders. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's quickly go to Judy 
in the the gateway to the world, Bayonne, New Jersey. Part of Hudson County so corrupt, but if you want to escape, you do it from Bayonne on a cruise liner, right? Right, Judy? Yes, yes, for sure. It's right down the block from me, the boat. Of course it is. <laughs> You're not far from yeah, Standard Oil, the old uh, Rockefeller firm there, right? Standard Oil Company, right there in Bayonne. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. Is that the answer to the trivia question? Yes, yes. Is this like Japanese? Hi, hi, hi. <laughs> it's Melissa McCarthy. Melissa McCarthy. Judy, uh, you could not be more hopelessly wrong. You may want to consider female to male. Uh, I realize it may be very late in life, but hey, you know, according according to this um this, uh, what can we call this? This is like 89 pages. It's actually curriculum. And I am the self-appointed adjunct professor of gender identification that Hunter College doesn't even know I'm affiliated with. They will by tomorrow. And they'll say, but you're a high school dropout. Doesn't matter. I've learned. I've learned the hard way. I am just angry that this label that has been following me everywhere, that I'm tagged as a gender bender, must end right here at WABC. W-A-B-C. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 W-A-B-C. Dear Nomad Blades, now that you're going through your midlife crisis, this was the number one hit across the nation in 1970, The Kinks. And if you were into freeform radio, WNEW, you were listening, you said, hmm, you mean, talks like a woman, but as a man, I didn't quite get it. You said, boy, The Kinks are all turned down by that, right? I got to do a little puff, puff, pass, maybe drop some shrooms, right? Get a little Timothy Leary LSD and experience this because it's the number one hit in America. And just think, it preceded all of this, the 72 terms. It all started with Lola. We didn't know it. But that's how immediately it began to seep into our thought process, our medulla and our cerebellum. Yes, for Lola. Right there on St. Mark's Place off 2nd Avenue before going to the Fillmore East. Man, I got stood up by a hot-to-trot date. And, you know, I looked across and I said, man, you know, looks like a woman, but acts like a man. What the hell? What am I going to do, waste this ticket? Little did I realize that at that point... I was guilty of what they call now shame, shame on me. I, it's really, really very bad of me. Intersex. I have no idea what that means. Would not have known what that meant in 1970. 
but it's an umbrella term that describes people who have sex characteristics such as chromosomes, internal organs, hormones, or anatomy that can't be easily categorized into the binary sex framework of male or female. What the hell does that mean? Oh, yeah. Oh, I'm a Ph.D. Oh, I have a graduate degree, a master's degree. Maybe we'll get Frank Morano, who graduated NYU and became a violet, to try to explain all of this. Why don't we just go back to the old-fashioned, what are you? Oh, I'm a double X. Okay. You're a woman. You can't change your XX. But men, they're XY, which means, hmm, they could either be a woman or a man, which is how that song Lola came about by the Kings. You didn't know that, did you, huh? Where's my music? Where's my music? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't want, I don't want the Kings anymore, man. That's passe compulsé. I mean, I lived there on Avenue A and St. Mark's Place, opposite Tompkins Square Park. I saw everything. I want Lou Reed. I want to walk on the wild side because Lou Reed, he'd be down there on Houston Street, right off the Bowery, coming out of CBG, CBGBs. You know, they had a. They had a flop house upstairs. It used to be the real Bowery. Now you'd have to get a reverse mortgage just to get a parking space. And let me tell you something. He'd have a spike in his arm, Lou Reed. It was straight-up heroin, right from Katmandu through Turkey, no Midnight Express, right into his veins. Now it would be spiked with fentanyl. Okay, we're back on track here. You know, I need this uh, as a adjunct professor, self-appointed of gender identification for Hunter College, the most liberal progressive school in our area. I no longer want to be called a gender bender, but guess what? You want to know what gender bender means? Huh? Yeah. Oh, you're all curious now. Curious with a Q or curious with a C? Aha. Remember, that has multiple identifications when you're a Q. Remember when they had that Broadway show, the musical, oh, Q, P, X, Y, Z. Little did we realize it all led to this manifesto of 72 different gender identification terms. But, yes, there is a gender bender term, and it has been replaced, unfortunately, by, how can I say this? Gender, the F word, can't say that, right? George Carlin, right? Seven words, right? FCC, I'll be off the air. So think that gender F word is now the old-fashioned gender bender. And that means that I am in the act of combating or dismantling the gender binary and stereotypes to a gender identity expression or presentation that challenges existing norms and expectations in a given cultural context. <sighs> what the hell does that mean? <laughs> what, did they, what did they do? They just string words together? Oh, it sounds so intellectual. It means nothing. And then they said, well, you know, the real term should be gender F. But... Because you're old school, Curtis, because you're 68, you're an old fogey, and you're AARP, you can go back to calling yourself a gender bender. God, I got to go through some more of these. More of these. A misgender. Oh, if you're guilty of being a misgender, you're a pariah. You're exiled. You're canceled. 
because misgender is the act of referring to someone using a gender pronoun or gendered language that's incorrect, inaccurate, or not inclusive of the person's actual gender identity at that moment, at that hour, at that day, at that week, at that month. You never want to be labeled misgender or it's off to Devil's Island with you. Now, what about non-binary? We hear non-binary. Now, I'm thinking, binary? I don't want to go to an S&M dungeon, you know, get whipped, tortured, you know, by dominatrix. No, no, no. Don't bind me up. No, who was that? Remember? <sighs> it was found upside down in the closet there in Thailand. Oh, he was one of my favorite performers on television. Ladies and gentlemen, for another booby prize, who am I talking about? He was wrapped in saran wrap, upside down like a bat. And yet he had been so cool, calm, and collected playing his flute for so many years on TV. Oh, God. He was the epitome of what martial arts was about, trained by the monks in the hills of Tibet. 1-800-848-9222. Oh, let's go here. We've got quite a few. Oh, let's go to Gigi. Who's calling from Bergen County? Your turn to be heard here on WABC. Gigi. Hello, Curtis. Hello again. This is your Gigi from Bergen County calling you with all the trivia answers. I'm surprised. Melissa McCarthy. You're hopelessly wrong. Yeah, right. It is Kathy Bates. Yes, you couldn't be more hopelessly right. Correct, though. I so love Kathy Bates in misery. She's the greatest. She took that sledgehammer and she broke oh. the ankles of James Kahn oh, killing me to see it. Oh tried to it. sue me. He tried to, and then at the end of it <laughs> at the end of it breaking both his ankles she said, Oh God, I love you so much. Oh how what a sadistic be, uh, <laughs> and watch the language here, you know. I ain't saying nothing, Curtis. Yeah, yeah, George you Collins, stay on the line there, Gigi. You won your courtesy with a booby prize. Don't ask, don't tell. We throw nickels around like manhole covers. Luckily for John and Marco Katsimatidis, Red Apple Media, our parent company, you don't end up getting a tchotchke that is, oh, God, you would say, what the hell is this? And then I send it COD, cash on delivery. You have to pay for it, right? And some of you would. You'd say, oh. What a gift. And then you open it up and there's nothing in the envelope and you had to pay COD for, you know, some U.S. Postal Service director, right, delivering it like five months later. No, 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 no. You get it within a week. Beautiful. WABC baseball cap. The Curtis Sliwa show on it. You can profile yourself. You can style and rock it in the neighborhood. One thing guaranteed, you will not be a crime victim. Oh, no. The moment they see the Curtis Sliwa style, you say... Yeah, I know that guy, and he's going to hunt you down like he hunted down those ATV riders, those quad riders, those dirt bike riders that passed by earlier today that I went berserk on. You're not going to want to miss it in the 10 o'clock hour. And nobody turn off the radio. You don't do that to me. You don't go to sleep on me. That is the ultimate diss and dismiss. Now, uh, this should be an easy one. Maybe Alex, you know, Mr. Menza, the brown nose of the Frank Morano show. Maybe he can discuss pan-gender. See, that's one of the reasons I never took a Peter Pan bus. Based in Springfield, Massachusetts, providing uh, bus traffic uh, all throughout the Northeast sector. I've been stranded out there, and I have refused to take a Peter Pan bus. I went out and hitchhiked like a hobo. 
By the way, the New York Post refers to that Chinese guy who built himself a little hovel on the bike path of the Manhattan Bridge as a hobo. They have no idea what a hobo is. A hobo travels. Uh, another trivia question. Who is the most famous hobo in America? The most famous hobo. Hobos travel. They never stay in one spot because they ride the rails and they look for work. I was in the biggest hobo jungle ever. Burnside section of Portland under the bridge, Maloney Joe's, where the old hobos were telling me stories galore. And I said, you did what? You were underneath the train as it was going 60 miles an hour through that mountain pass? And you didn't get dislodged? Oh, it's great there, Portland. You know, this is before Black Lives Matter and Antifa every night marching in the streets. Oh, police station will burn it down to the ground. Hey, cops, don't do anything. It's that First Amendment right to burn down a police station. Right? I never knew that. Is that, is that a First Amendment in the Bill of Rights? You get to burn down police stations in Portland, Oregon, you do. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. Nobody's going to get that trivia question. Who is the most famous hobo of all time who rode the rails during the Depression? I'll throw another one out. Endorsed Ronald Reagan for president. In fact, it may have been his most uh, influential endorsement at first when he was running for governor of California, without which he might not have been elected governor, which would have meant he wouldn't have had a shot to be president. Oh, I gave it away. If you can't get that, you know, you don't deserve a Curtis Lee with Booby Prize. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But for Alex, um, who probably is not aware of this, but pangender, it means a gender identity that describes people who experience all or many gender identities all simultaneously, all at the same time, similar to omnigender. Omnigender? The hell is that? Then, remember, we said, my God, you can actually refer to somebody as a butch, not just as a butch, as a soft butch or a stone butch. But, you know, I think you'd probably want to be a lesbian to do that, to be on the safe side. Or a bulldagger. Oh, you can use bulldagger, okay. As long as it's understood. Like, soft butch. It's the non-conforming gender expression of someone who has some masculine or butch traits, but doesn't fully fit the stereotype associated with masculine or butch cisgender lesbians. I don't even know what that means. But a stone butch, not stoned, a stone butch means both a gender identity and term used to describe the non-conforming gender expression of someone who embodies traits associated with feminine butchness or stereotypes associated with traditional masculinity. Maybe if we could revive Lou Reed. I don't think he could even explain that. All wired up on heroin with that spike in his arm. Transitioning. Now, this is something uh, you might well be involved in as you're going through your uh, midlife crisis here, uh, Matt Blaze. Transitioning is the act of making physical, social, medical, surgical, interpersonal, or personal changes that help to affirm gender or address gender dysphoria. It was so much easier. What are you? I'm um, a double X. Okay, you're a woman. What are you? I'm um, an XY. Oh, that means you're confused. You're a male because, let's face it, a male 
more likely, you know, let's face it, notice, you never hear of women who become men competing in male sports and men objecting because they almost can never beat them, right? Say, babe, uh, Zaharis years ago, uh, long before your time, this woman could knock a golf ball further than Jack Nicholas and Tiger Woods combined. She could play baseball. She could throw a football, although she was married to a guy. But many people thought he was her beard. Babes at Dirksen. Who knows? Babes at Dirksen out there. This new generation would say Babe Ruth. No, 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 no. He, he was definitely heterosexual. There's no doubt about that. Was found in every whorehouse in every city that he played baseball in. In fact, he had the most home runs and the most number of times that he was diagnosed of any major league baseball player with syphilis. This guy lived on penicillin. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Now, this is one for Alex here to write this down for Frank Morano because he's always confused about everything. Trying to lure me over to Coney Island to see the Cyclones at 2.30 this afternoon so I would miss being here from 3 to 5. Oh, you like it. I got free tickets. Really? You see how little he thinks of me? Ooh, ooh, yeah, I'm going to run. Ooh, get D-Train. Stillwell Avenue, Coney Island. I'll, I'll get a Nathan's hot dog, right? Some fries. Yeah, and I'll run over to the stadium. It's 2.30, and oh, my God, i got to be on the air at 3. And Frank would say, psych! Now I don't have to worry about you as a competitor any longer. Nah, see, uh, you thought I'd be a victim of technology? No way, Matt. That one didn't work. Now there is the term trigender. This gender identity describes the experience of having three gender identities simultaneously at the same time. Don't laugh. Remember what the rules are. You are who you feel you are at that moment of the day, that hour, that day, that week, that month. You must be respected. So if you tell somebody, I'm trigender, so what about your three genders at the same time? Don't argue with it. Accept it. This term indicates the number of gender identities someone experiences, but doesn't necessarily indicate which genders are included in a given person's trigender identity. That makes no sense at all. They teach this in college. Professors do with PhDs, graduate degrees. Look, I'm just a self-appointed adjunct professor of gender identification at the most liberal progressive school in the five boroughs, Hunter College, simply because I didn't want to be tagged with the term gender bender any longer. Now I'm a gender, I can't say that word. Uh, so I think we're going to finish up with the bottom line, okay? The bottom, I'm not going to go through all 72 terms. I have vertical. The bottom line, it's amazing that gender, Something many people thought was a simple concept. Yeah, I did. You're a double X woman. You're an XY man. No, 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 no. It's actually so personal, so nuanced, and so complex. For that reason, it's totally okay. It's okay, Matt. It's okay, Alex. It's okay, audience. If this list is a lot to digest. <laughs> they write this in the curriculum. Now, I'm going to read it again. <laughs> we spent money on this. We're sending our kids to school. You're paying outrageous amounts. 
like 85000 when you consider room and board. Oh, mommy, daddy, oh, can I have a credit card? And what about a debit card? No, I need a credit card. Because I have multiple gender identities, and I need to be going to the, not the FTM machine or the MTM machine as opposed to the ADM machine. Where's my music? I need my music. Please. I'm walking the wild side here. So I'm going to read this again. This is in large print. It's totally okay if this list is a lot to digest. It's giving me agita. I think I'm going to have colitis, ileitis again, and chronic Crohn's disease. I may be taking a Columbia Presbyterian. They may have to do another emergency eight-hour operation because of all the cloggage. Just remember, gender is an essential part of health and well-being for everyone. Becoming familiar with language that helps you to talk about this part of identity and society is a great way to care for yourself and be an ally to others. Oh, my God, this is my mission in life, to explain to all of you what your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren are whispering behind your back, making fun of you because you don't know this terminology. But see, once you take my course, I'm not charging you any money like the rest of these schools. This is free. Oh, now you're going to pay attention. Free. Oh, of course. Could you imagine I'd have a packed class, and I could see people asking, what? What's that again? Pan-gender? You mean I could be any gender at any moment of the day? What about gender apathetic? Look, there are some of you who are so apathetic about your life, you can't even schlep to the toilet. You know, you all of a sudden have to try to hold it in. Gender apathetic. 72 different terms that describe gender identity and sexual expression. Now, who came up with this? Yeah, we paid for this. Yeah, government money. We paid for this research. Someone in the Biden administration, maybe it was Vice President Harris, uh, her many staff people who have fled, you know, ah, Harris is a witch. She's impossible to work. Maybe they got outsourced this on a government contract, got subcontracted to do this. Somebody okayed this. You know who I think it is? Because he's done a lousy job as transportation secretary. With all the supply problems, Boudichet, 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 had to be. You know, that's the difference between me and Frank Morano is that uh, I don't just talk about UFOs, little gray aliens, Roswell, New Mexico. I talk about things that matter to all of you that I don't even understand. And I'm sure that after this uh, very vivid description uh, None of you understand what the hell I was talking about. I just want you to know our tax dollars provided this curriculum for our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren. So when you see them and you think they're confused, they are. They are. But remember, remember right at the very end, remember what it says. It's totally okay if this list is a lot to digest. In fact, it's almost like... um, Scientology, you know, they don't want schlubs. They don't want poor, indigent people. They want m- people with money. you got all different levels. You know, you want to be up there with Tom Cruise. You want to be a Sea Org. You want to be uh, there with Mr. Dianetics himself. You're going to have to pay a lot of money. There are a lot of levels. Boy, I could really clean up. 
you know, I could follow Scientology. I could say, put myself out in an ocean liner in Sheepshead Bay there, declare myself to be a Sea Org, and suddenly char- charging massive amounts of money about stuff that doesn't even make sense to me since I said it all goes back to the simple application. Women are XX and men are XY. There's no money to be made in that. Now you know what the next thing is going to be. Changing your chromosomes. Yes, Matt. Blaze, now that you're in a midlife crisis, why not? They're exploring the changing of one's chromosomes. You too can be an XX. And if you happen to be stuck as an XX out there in a miserable life with a husband that you hate and children who have grown up and they, they've, they've all flown the coop, you too can become an XY. Yeah, chromosomal change. It's, it's coming. It's coming to a state and a city near you. Now, you may have to do a Christine Jorgensen. Oh, isn't that a blast from the past? You know who Christine Jorgensen was, Matt Blaze? Of course you don't know. If you had been birthed at that time, you would have seen him on the David Susskind Show. Sunday nights, appointment watching. There he was, Christine Jorgensen, one of our own. The first person to ever get gender transformation. Who is Christine Jorgensen? He served in World War II bravely. Yes, the Battle of the Bulge, hey? Ed Koch served in the Battle of the Bulge, too. You can't disparage them. He went to Columbus High School. We are here on Pelham Parkway in the Bronx. He served in the U.S. military bravely, and then he discovered, could have been in Copenhagen, could have been in Stockholm, could have been in Oslo. More than likely, it was in Amsterdam when sampling the hash and the marijuana that he really felt that he was different. And he ran into a doctor who said, I can change you. And he was the first to change. Christine Jorgensen. Oh, let me tell you something. It all started in the Bronx, right? You think it was somebody out there in the Nordic countries. You think it was somebody like in Rio de Janeiro, where it seems like almost every man and woman has a gender change identity? No. Right there at Columbus High School, many of you went there. But Christine Jorgensen, a military veteran, honored, valorous in the Battle of the Bulge, who eventually married a man and lived up there in Connecticut. I think it was either Scarsdale in Westchester or Westport in Connecticut. And it was a valued guest and wrote many books. And naturally, at parties of the Trendoids, the Freakazoids, the Jet Setters, with Leonard Bernstein. Remember Leonard Bernstein? They're making the movie about him right now. She, he, we didn't quite know what to, how to gender identify. I want to dedicate this, this list that I've just gone through. I want to dedicate the fact that I am a self-appointed adjunct professor of gender identification at Hunter College to Christine Jorgensen from the Bronx. It's been my motivation. Anyway, let's see if we can go to, uh, let's go to Mike, who's calling from the Poconos, uh, the sixth borough of the city of New York. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Mike. My man, Curtis, listening to you for three decades. We're the same age, 68. And I'll tell you, I was telling your producer um, on the phone, you know, I grew up in Oceanside. And Lou Reed went to Freeport High School, Lou Reed. And what's going on in our, in our society? You know, I have a son and a daughter. They're doing well, thank God. Happily divorced. But what, what's going on? You're born a male, you stay a male. Transgender. 
Freeport High School, slowly I turned step by step. Who lived in nearby Roosevelt? Oh, that's right, Howard Stern. He wants to run for president, the germaphobe. Who's going to be his vice president? Can I say his name here? Bradley Cooper. Yes. Anthony Weiner, what do you have to say about Bradley Cooper snacking on your former wife, Huma? I did. I asked him the question. Nobody thought I would ask him. That's why you got to listen Saturdays, 3 to 4, left versus right. And the Post had it up online before we even finished the hour. You see, we don't just talk about the news here at WABC. We don't just bust our gums commenting about the news. We oftentimes make the news. And that, that happened earlier today. I lost my mind. It was 3.45. I was doing one of my riffs. And I looked out this massive window, and I saw the barbarians. I saw the enemies of society on their ATVs, their quads, their dirt bikes, popping wheelies, kicking cars, flipping the bird with their Nazi caps on, a menace to society. And I said, I would get them. Yeah, Matt plays. You see, I didn't just ignore them. I'm going to get them. In fact, if I catch up to you, I'm going to slash the tires of your ATVs, of your quads, of your dirt bikes. And I walk down to the 17th precinct just two blocks away, and I walked in, and I say, guys, I said, we know why you're here, Sliwa. We know. We're impotent. We can't do anything. They won't let us do that at one police plaza. The mayor won't let us do anything. We couldn't have said, oh, so basically you're saying I should handle it. America's vigilante. Okay. Just put window shades on your eyes, cotton balls in your ears, and a zipper on your mouth. You ne- we never had this conversation, right? They nodded their heads. Do what you got to do because they won't let us do what we know what to do. Up next, exactly what happened earlier today and is happening all throughout our tri-state area on a regular basis. These barbarians are at play. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. The fact that we don't have that uh, that old news, you know, that's uh, recycled from sometime during the week. It's like, no, no, no. I, I went crazy earlier today. I heard some news report about the uh, the fireworks from July 4th, and I said, stop it. Stop it. Because we are the number one news talk station in the nation. We don't do best of because that's only worst of. That's why it's so good. When I finish that 3 o'clock show on Saturdays after Anthony Weiner does his solo show in the middle from 2 to 3, 3 to 4 left and right, we blew it up. We blew it up making news all over the world because I 
I just goaded Anthony Weiner to have to answer the question about how his former wife, uh, Huma, is now hooked up with, uh, is that Anderson Cooper? Did he also go through a change of gender identification? Oh, no, I mean Bradley Cooper. And then, I guess he felt the competitive urges, our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, great talk show host in his own right, with the five, Monday through Fridays from five to six, and then when he interviews all the newsmakers Sunday morning, yeah, I'm still wired and awake, eight to ten, he blew it up. He had like five different articles about people he was interviewing, including a guest who said, get ready, the Ukraine, Zelensky, Putin, it's going to be the new DMZ. Try like North Korea versus South Korea. Oh, it's just I can't compete with that. But I'll keep trying because we've got to remain number one, second to none. And we can't do that with oldie moldy news. So I said, that's it. I don't want to hear that newscast. I went absolutely berserk. People were afraid here I was going to kill them. So lucky. You're so lucky you can lock me into this cubicle here because poor Kevin was running for his life. Hell. Now, if you think that was bad enough, having to listen to oldie moldy news at the top of the hour, which I did an immediate truncation of, it was 3.45. And I'm into my normal riff. You know, it's a stream of consciousness, theater of the mind. You know, I can easily digress, attention deficit disorder. And then I looked outside. What I saw just caused me to bust every blood vessel in my cerebellum and medulla. Oh, here they come. You know what's going on outside right now? Okay, I'm going to be talking about this tonight. Get out of the street! We're the cops! Here they are on the ATV. Yeah, I'll give you the finger there. They've taken over Third Avenue. Look at them. They're popping wheelies. They are defiant. Hundreds of them going uptown. Where's the 19th Precinct? Two blocks away. They do. Look at these madmen. Look at these madmen. This is crazy. Yeah, you, you, you see this wrench? Look at them out there. They're going on for on and on. Do you see any cops? Nothing. They're blocking traffic. They are enemies of society. Man, if I had a switchblade right now, I'd go outside and I'd start slashing tires. Yeah, that is true. I lost it. But wait, wait. As, there were like dozens and dozens. This went on for like a good eight to ten minutes. I continued losing my mind. Look at this. This is going on in our city. Our city has been taken over. It's like Mad Max in the Thunderdome. The only thing missing is Mel Gibson because he can't come to our city. He's an anti-Semite now. You know, he's got to do movies with puppets, you know, puppets. So after the show, the horde had finally cleared out. Kevin, our producer, was hiding from me. As was the rest of the staff, as was building management that had barricaded themselves. Oh, uh, you know, he's lost it. So I walk over to the 17th precinct, right? Walk in. Guys, yeah, we know why you're here, Chris. Yeah, we know you're over there at W80. We know what you saw. You can't, no, we can't do anything about it. They won't let us. One police, no, one police plaza, the commissioner. Do you ever see the commissioner? No, never saw it before. What about the uh, swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams? No, they won't let us do anything about it. You know, once a year they crush dirt bikes and ATVs and quads. It's all fake, just like it was when de Blasio was doing it. So, naturally, Adams is uh, de Blasio 2.0. He did the same thing a few weeks ago. Let me tell you, 
there were dozens and dozens of the quads, the ATVs, the dirt bikes. They were doing loop-de-loops. They were blowing through the red lights. They were going up and down the sidewalks. They had those cherry bomb mufflers. I could hear them here. It was like the sound of gunshots. They were popping donuts and wheelies. And I know they do that all over the city late at night, early in the a.m., up there in the Heights. No, 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 not the musical, the Heights, the real Washington Heights, and Inwood, 193rd and St. Nicholas. And they do it on 138th and 3rd. Oh, let Dominic Carter know that. That's where he grew up, the Patterson Housing Project. Hey, Alexander Avenue, uh, 41st Precinct, you think he could come over there and make a few collars? They don't let him. And then, of course, out in my hood, Brownsville never ran, never will, East New York along Linden Boulevard near Fountain Avenue where they all mount up on the weekends and then they terrorize the residents of Brooklyn and Queens. I think I have a few ideas. Bear with me, ladies and gentlemen, because we got to go old school. You know, this, this isn't a new phenomenon. Just about the time I was birthed into this world, in 1954, this movie came out called The Wild One. Marlon Brando, right? Lee Marvin. He just came off of uh, Streetcar with Desire. You know, Marlon Brando. Stella! Stella! Meantime, he wanted Wally Cox. Stella! Stella! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you don't understand that, right? You know, Wally Cox. You didn't know him and Brando. Hey, look, we can talk about that now. It depends on what of the 72 different gender identifications Brando falls in with Wally Cox, who used to be on, what was that, Hollywood Squares. Remember Wally Cox? Guy who looked like Barney Fife. That's right, Mayberry RFD. Oh, yeah, yeah. Am I telling you something you didn't know? You're shocked. Yeah, you look. This is the Frank Morano crew. These are not the brothers and sisters that I have all weekend long. You say, yeah, we can flow with that. We got it. So they had this great movie, The Wild One, with Marlon Brando, Lee Marvin. And let me just read to you what the promo was. The story of a gang of hot-riding hotheads who ride in to terrorize and take over a city. After a while, we got to have fun. And if somebody gets hurt, tough nuggies. You'll thrill to the shock-studded adventures of this hot blood and his jazzed-up bunch of biker hoodlums. Now, let me just play you an excerpt towards the end of what was a very, very popular movie called The Wild One. We got this town on the road. Get to work on these boys. Anybody bring a gun for me? Yeah, here's one. Phone's dead. You better send somebody for the militia. Great movie. They had a shame the state troopers, Chips, you know, Eric Estrada and his, uh, what can we call him, his... His mighty whitey partner, I forget who he was, what blonde hair, blue eyes. You know, it was really Eric Estrada, East Harlem guy, Eric. I knew Eric Estrada. You know when I met him? Jackson, Mississippi, while visiting the Guardian Angels. He said, I see you. I'm Guardian Angels in Jackson. Yeah, I see. Where, where amigos. He's the one who made chips. But you know how that happened? You know Bartow, California. You ever been in Bartow on the way to Vegas? 
over the high country, you know, they got to go through uh, Death Valley and all that. Bartow, that's where all the bikers hang out. They took over the town. And that's exactly what they did. And then the people armed themselves. Hmm. Hmm. The United States Supreme Court recently ruled that citizens who qualify should have permits for concealed weapons. Hmm. Want to bet if a bunch of citizens had concealed weapons and these barbarians came rolling down in their ATVs, their quads, and their dirt bikes. By the way, why are you on the street with a dirt bike? We'll get to that momentarily. Want to bet if some of these legally law-abiding, gun-toting citizens pulled out their 9 millimeters in the middle of the street and said, you're going no further. Want to bet they'll all stop? That was the whole notion of the wild ones. The town objected. The local cops were afraid of the bikers. And because the local townspeople passed around guns and confronted the bikers, including Marlon Brando and including Lee Marvin, the uh, state, state troopers were shamed into coming, you know, Eric Estrada and Chips. But there's one better. I prefer this one, actually. Because it's right there in the Bronx, Belmont, Arthur Avenue. One of the greatest movies of all time, The Bronx Tale. Chaz Palminteri wrote it, grew up in that area. He knew all the wise guys, all the wise guys who hated my guts and wanted to get me the Genovese guys before the Gambinos got me. Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll ask Frank about that because they invite him over there for a nice bowl of pasta. Bars. He'll say, hey, why don't you tell me about your friend Curtis, huh? Anything free, right? He snores free food right there in Arthur Avenue, Belmont. He doesn't realize they're not Italian now. You know, they're Albanian, they're Macedonian, but they pretend to be uh, Italians. As long as you give uh, Frank Morano free food and plenty of cheese, Parmesan cheese. He loves fromage. But anyway, this is causing me to divert. Let's go to that famous scene in the Bronx Tale. Sonny, right, played by uh, Chas Palminteri, owns the bar. And the bikers come to the bar in Belmont and Arthur Avenue. Now you just can't leave. I will never forget the look on their faces. All eight of them. Their faces dropped. All their courage and strength was drained right from their bodies. They had a reputation for breaking up bars, but they knew that instant they made a fatal mistake. This time they walked into the wrong bar. I couldn't give you the rest. Too many F-bombs to eliminate, but that's what Chaz used to do. Yeah, I'm not going to rat Chaz out. Great actor, right? But hey, just keeping it real. This is what you had to do. You get the bats. You hand the bats out. The Rocky Calavito bats. Now, that's very significant. Not a Mickey Mantle bat. Not a Roger Maris bat. Not even a Ron Hunt bat. You know, one of those shorty, short, little midget bats that Ron Hunt used to swing. Although he was a great hitter. You know, he always used to get hit by a pitch because he would bluff out his jersey in the early days of the Mets. A Rocky Calavito bat. So there was Sonny. There was uh, Chaz Palminteri and his crew, and they beat the hell out of those bikers. Nobody said nothing. 
It was Lilo Brancato. That was his uh, big opportunity. He turned out to be a cop killer. Remember later on a pillhead. But our own owner-operator, John Katzmatidis, the other day we were discussing shoplifting, boosting, and John, who's old school, you know, at a time where everything was a penny on the shelf. You, you lose it in shoplifting, you go out of business. He started with nothing. He didn't have money at that time. And he said, get the bats. Get the Rocky Calavito bats. And that stuck in my mind. Why the Rocky Calavito bat? And then I remembered, slowly I turned step by step. Rocco Dominico, a.k.a. Rocky Calavito, one of the greatest ball players of all time. Do you know what school that he went to? The same school that Dominic Carter went to, the drugstore when Dominic went there, Roosevelt High School on East Fordham Road across from Fordham University, right down the block from the White Castle, you know, the belly sliders there, and right up the block from where I was the night manager of Mickey D's on Marion, Webster, and East Fordham and started the Guardian Angels. He left high school at 16 to play minor league ball. That's what a good baseball player he was. Imagine 16 years old, you're playing minor league ball. You're hitting like 30, 40 home runs in the minor leagues. But he didn't get that opportunity right away. The New York Yankees were right there. They said, you want to give a tryout? This kid, he's a phenom. He's 16 years old. He tore up the PSAL. And remember, Hank Greenberg came from Monroe and Cranepool came from Monroe. It was a history of great ball players coming from the public school athletic league high schools. And the Yankees. Ralph Falk. No, it wasn't Ralph Falk. He was a catcher at that time. One of three catchers. You see, that's a trivia question. Who were the three catchers, right? Elston Howard, right? Yogi Berra, who uh, also played left field, and Ralph Falk. Those were the three catchers. Okay, I can't blame Ralph Falk. Whoever it was wouldn't give him a tryout. Rocky Calavito wouldn't give him a tryout. Rocco, Domenico, Rocky Calavito. So Cleveland came to Yankee Stadium and said, you don't want to give him a tryout. We hear this kid is a phenom. Hey, go ahead, knock yourself out. Has a tryout. He's back on the warning track in center field. That was like 460 feet, right? They're hitting flies. He's shagging flies. And then he throws right to home plate on a line, doesn't bounce. The guy had the golden arm. Forget Buddy Rich. I'm talking the golden arm. And this guy could hit. And so it became a Cleveland Indian. He always wanted to be a Yankee. You know who he admired? Joe DiMaggio, like every Italian-American, Joe DiMaggio. And he wouldn't. And I said, I remember when John Katzmatidis said that to me. That's right. Rocky Calavito could have been a Yankee. 1959, he had four home runs in one game. Hey, not everybody has done that. And he had a 1,000% fielding record. That means he made no errors. And if you tried to take an extra base on him or tag up, you were dead on arrival. This guy had an arm, even better than Johnny Callison of the Phillies, better than Roger Maris from right field for the Yankees, better than Al Kaline, who also left high school in Baltimore to play for the Detroit Tigers. See, we gave you a little courtesy with Super Spectacular there. But the reason I mentioned Rocky Calavito, still alive, is 88. We got to reach out to him. We got to apologize for that double discreziata, that shunda. Could have been. Eventually he became a Yankee, but it, late, late in his career, 
you know, Cleveland, Detroit, Cleveland, Chicago, White Sox, Dodgers, Yankees. No, 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 no. We got to have him for old timers game. We got This is the guy who should have been a Yankee. He was born to be a Yankee. And it turns out that Jazz Palminteri, when he was handing out those bats, and they were beating the hell out of those bikers in his bar on Belmont and Arthur Avenue, they were Rocky Calavito bats. Yes. John Katsimatidis was right. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I'll give you my remedy of what we're going to do with these ATV uh, animals. Guys who drive the quads, you know, thinking they're like, uh, you know, like modern day barbarians. I, I got to fix it. I'll give it to you in a second, but I, I got to get to. I got to get to some of these calls. I got all my agenda out there, you know. I see all of you, the Frank Morano crew. They're they're terrified. They're doing duck and cover under the desk. Yeah, we're gonna get to duck and cover because the atomic bomb is gonna boom right over the Empire State Building. And then, if you're not a baby boomer, you won't know what the hell to do. I'll know what to do under the desk. Duck, cover, hold my head, kiss my two cheeks and my tukas and dupa, and keep my head between my legs. It actually looks good down there for at least 90 seconds or two minutes when the big one blasts. Let's go to Sammy and Howard Beach. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Sabine. Yeah, yeah a couple of things tonight. Uh, first of all, Rocky Calavito in 1968 when he got traded to the Yankees in a – in a mop-up appearance, the Yankees were getting the, the living daylights be, uh, beating out on them. The Yankees didn't want to waste any pitches. So who did they put in with that golden arm? Rocky Colombito. Mm-hmm. I remember that. Okay. I don't know if you do or you don't. Secondly, your boy Mateo, how could he think that he could sway, as he would call him, Alan Braggs, <laughs> saying we made progress? Now, you can't believe anything that Fernando Mateo says. I know that. But why would why would he think how naive can he be? Honestly, and the fact that radio stations were running is even more embarrassing. Well, because right? they don't know. They just know. They know. Hey, isn't that guy? Didn't he, he ran against Curtis for the Republican primary. He got squashed. Uh, he's represented bodega owners in the past, livery car drivers. So they assume, oh, he's a Hispanic spokesperson. Meantime, they're like 25 self-appointed bodega Spanish, uh, you know, uh, representatives. Right, right. By the way, don't give any of them a dime for Jose Alba and his family because Jose Alba and his family will never see a De Niro, will never see a dollar, will never see a shekel of that. Don't give money to any of those people because you know where that's going to go, right, Sammy? Absolutely. Now, listen, thirdly, you know what? Who who has to be on work on 3rd Avenue between 3 and 5 every Sunday? Who has to be at work? Yeah. Well, there's who a... works in the area? Curtis Lewa. Why do you think they those guys all of a sudden on a Sunday afternoon, a little after 3, shows up on 3rd Avenue with, with their ATVs? Hmm. So you think it was sort of like, uh, I'm the man at the door? Like a a message, like they're going to scare you. Oh, no, no. Or maybe like in the the old Spanish bullpen, you know, where the bull comes out and I'm the matador. Toro, toro, right? I could see that. But to be honest with you, they do this all the time. In fact, you're in Queens. 
26 blocks they have of open space there in Jackson Heights. You know, no cars are permitted. And these monsters, they go through there with the e-bikes, the scooters, the mopeds. They speed up and down. They blow through the red lights. They do this all over the city, all over the city. Sammy. Hey, Sammy, in the old Howard Beach, you think they could get away with that? No. No, not at all, and not in the new Howard Beach either. But you know where they got away with it? Last week, in in Sid's neighborhood in Rockaway, last Sunday night, Sid was talking about this Friday morning, that they took over Rockaway, and it's been a couple of Sunday nights in a row now, and nothing seems to be done about these guys. Sammy, they're they're Irish guys. You see, they're they're civil servants. They don't want to lose their jobs out there. But, Sammy, you know the guys in New Howard Beach, Old Howard Beach. I know the guys. You know the guys. We all know the guys. Who would be more than happy to grab these guys, slash the tires of the vehicles, and push the vehicles into Jamaica Bay. Yep. Let's not say anything more. Many of them are my enemies, but now we might be allies on this. The cops are doing nothing. Did you hear that? In the Rockaways? Sid, what was he getting, a tan at the time, flexing? Old school Sid in Brooklyn, right? He just did the movie Gemini Lounge with all the guys I grew up with. The Tester Brothers, Anthony Centaur. Man, it would have been war. So it, this is all pretend, right? You do Gravesend, you do Gemini Lounge. You, you want to keep it real, you follow Curtis Lewa. This is what you do. The police sees the vehicle. Can you imagine if Rudy Giuliani was mayor with this going on? This is what you do. This is basic common sense. The swagger man with no plan. Listen, hey, it's the people they listen from Eric Adams' administration because they know I know more about the city than they know. Hey, look, it's a good tutorial. You get undercover cops right out of the academy to join these yadrules on their ATVs, their quads, their dirt bikes. They're wearing a GPS, right? They're part of the pack. They're going all over the city, and now you can track them. And now you can set up the trap. So you, they, they come right into your trap, and you got all the buses from Rikers Island there. You got the hats and bats out there. You got a line across the street, and then you put down the hooks. You know, you got a line of hooks so that when the bikes go over that, the ATV, the quads, pop, 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 pop. They can't go anywhere. You get the daisy chain, the perk walk. You seize all of the bikes. You bring them all to Rikers Island. You process them there. And you say, hey, when you show us the paperwork that you actually own the ATV, the quad, the dirt bike, you can come and get it. Meantime, get on the city bus here in Rikers and go home. And 90% of these guys have never come back for the ATVs, the quads, the dirt bikes. They're not registered. They're stolen. Everybody knows it. And City Hall and uh, the Missing in Action Police Commissioner, Siwa, who probably has no idea this goes on. Oh, Nassau County, we we didn't have to deal with this. Oh, yes, you did. In Hempstead, you had to deal with that. By the way, you have to deal with that in Westchester. I seen him in Yonkers, New Rochelle, uh, Mount Vernon. You see, if you don't stop them here in New York City, it spreads like a cancer. Baltimore, body bag city, they do it there. They dominate. They kick cars. They attack people. Philly, they do it here. And they do it because we let them do it. 
I think I'm going to call up Phil Banks, who is the uh, guy in charge of public safety, you know, the deputy mayor. I've disparaged him a lot, and he deserves it. Hey, Phil, I know you. You know me. Look, you and Eric, you got that private little office in the Verizon building. I don't know what goes on there. I don't hey, none of my business, okay? I'm figuring you're getting wine-dined and pocket-lined by people that you don't want to know know anything about. Okay, I get it. Let me handle these monsters. For me, it's personal. What they did today, just like Sammy and Howard Beach said, hey, maybe it was an F you to me, huh? You ever think of that, Matt? Maybe it was an F you to me. And it wasn't limited to just blacks or Hispanics. I saw some Asians, some white guys. You see, the more you do it, the more it attracts others to do it because now they feel that they're they're all powerful. They're omnipotent. You let me take care of this, and I guarantee you they'll be impotent. WABC. Of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. So you see uh, why we can't have oldie moldy news on the weekends is because news is always taking place. Let me give you an update. That's from now on, I'm going to be doing the news on the weekends when I'm doing a show. I ain't doing no oldie moldy news like, uh, oh, well, the firecrackers went off last night for July 4th. Jeez. I didn't say Jesus Christ. I said, jeez. Jeez Louise. So... Unfortunately, we had another one of these crackpots out there, these uh, serial shooters. Four people, including the shooter, are dead. This was at an Indianapolis mall. And the only good thing about this is that it wasn't the cops who took out the shooter. It was a good Samaritan with a handgun. The good Samaritan. Eric Adams, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb... You should not fear people who legally are capable of carrying weapons with a concealed carry permit of a handgun. Look at this situation. This good Samaritan with a handgun, according to the police chief, killed the shooter. The cops hadn't even arrived. Imagine Texas where we watch this video over the weekend that makes you say, Tux, Texas tough is Texas wuss. Maybe one of the most cowardly videos I have ever seen, and I've seen a few. There were more police outside of that schoolroom in Texas than there were those that defended the Alamo against Santa Ana and the Mexican Army. And you even saw that one video where the guy walks across the hallway and puts Purell on his hands, and they did nothing. It turns out this shooter in Texas never shot his AR-15, never shot it. The only time he shot it was when he killed those kids and those teachers. And they had so much time to take him out. In fact, the one sharpshooter said... I had him in my sights. I could have shot him. What the hell was he thinking by not killing him? Why? 
because Central Command didn't tell him to take him out? This is not like when Barack Obama, remember, was dealing with the pirate, the Somalian pirate who had taken the American captive and then from a secure location somewhere in the White House or the Pentagon. Barack Obama, our president, remember, said to the sharpshooter, the Navy sharpshooter, shoot him in the head, and he did. What are you waiting for, a presidential order? Whatever happened? Yeah, Chuck Norris, right? Texas Ranger, toughest of tough with their cowboy hats. He wrestled the bear and won. Texas was, I looked at that video four times. And you saw them running in a panic like cowards. Like little sissies. Not cisgender. I don't want to confuse myself because I went through all those terms in the first hour. What has become of America? We used to be known for bravery, not cowardice. And especially in Texas. Texas is tough, right? Imagine more cops were outside than there had been patriots in the Alamo defending themselves from Santa Ana and the Mexican troops. Almost every one of them got slaughtered, but they stood and fought to the last man. I think one or two were able to escape and let Sam Houston know what had happened there. And... They spent their time outside preventing the parents and the the relatives and the neighbors from bum-rushing in and taking out that guy, that maniac with the gun. The guy had never fired that weapon. I mean, you think of that. The cowardice that has engulfed America now. Where is the machismo or the machisma? There are a lot of brave women out there. Uh, you, you would have had some female police officers, Annie Oakley's, they would have taken him out. They were waiting for a central command to give them an order. In the meantime, they were arresting parents outside who were giving them a hard time, as they should have. This may be the saddest and sorriest day that I've ever experienced in 68 years watching that video again and again and again, and Texas officials try to explain it. Abbott, the governor, Ted Cruz, Paxton, the attorney general, the local officials, you can't explain cowardice like that. It it needs to be ramifications. You can't just say, oh, you know, better training. The people who were trained to go in there and risk their lives must pay some kind of price for that. It ha- They have to become an example to others in the country. Again, the lead story, at least four people, including the shooter, are dead and others are injured following a shooting at a shopping mall in the suburbs of Indianapolis. The police chief in the area, James Isson, said a good Samaritan with a handgun at the scene killed the shooter. He said two others were wounded and are being treated in area hospitals. The shooter has only been described as an adult male. Police said he had a long rifle and several magazines of ammunition. Officers responded to a call regarding an active shooter at the Greenwood Park Mall in Greenwood, Indiana, just after 6 p.m. Emergency services arrived on the scene while law enforcement officers worked to secure the scene. Indianapolis police and other law enforcement agencies were assisting the Greenwood police with clearing out the mall and clearing the scene. Police later said there was no ongoing threat. 
who took out the maniac with the gun, a good Samaritan citizen armed with a weapon. Do you think that Kathy Crime Wave Holcomb will comment on that tomorrow? Do you think any of the members of the Fourth Estate, you know, our brave reporters, will ask her, well, you're so afraid of those who might be able to carry legally a concealed handgun. You think that that, they're going to be more of a danger than the criminals who have taken over our city and state, right? You think? You think any of them will ask her that? No. You think any of them will ask the swagger man with no plan in dealing with crime in the city tomorrow when he has a press conference, Eric Adams, who has already gone on record as, oh, my God, the Supreme Court decision to allow concealed weapons to be carried in New York State if you qualify will bring chaos to the streets? Really? Did you see that situation that took place in Far Rockaway on Friday? A mother with two children standing on the corner, victim of a drive-by shooting, targeted an Acura, a black Acura, swerved around. Guy puts the gun out. You see that? Bang, 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 bang. You think of other citizens with strapped legally had a concealed handgun and returned the fire. What do you think, Matt, in the future? You think many others would think about doing a drive-by shooting? Imagine if they were on both sides of Mott Avenue, bang, 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 right outside the McDonald's, right outside the entrance to the A-train. It occurred just a few blocks from there. Two blocks from the 101st Precinct. That's how brazen these drive-by shooters were. Two blocks from the 101st Precinct. Then they went on to rob two other locations in which they went in. They put their guns in the clerk's head. They said, your money or your life, and give us your stash. Hmm, They knew that these were marijuana stash houses, too. They knew, and yet the cops in the 101st Precinct didn't know. Or maybe they knew and they can't do anything about it. Of course not. They're not permitted to. We got to turn our cops loose. We got to let them do their job. If you don't, then let the people, just like what happened when we discussed what happened in Bartow, California, when Marlon Brando did that movie about how the bikers came in and took over the town, the wild one. It was the community that got guns and fought off the bikers. Just like what happened in Bronx Tale. I don't know, they, you know they, they've used those Rocky Calavito bats on a lot of people, but we give them props for that one. A lot of them, the Genovese guys, my enemies. Oh, hey, look, Chaz, I love Chaz. But some of his friends I don't love. I got to tell you a little story first, so this is good. So I'm campaigning with Rudy Giuliani, my kumbadichi. Second time around, I campaigned for him the first time. We go to Arthur Avenue, Belmont, right there where that bar is, Sonny's Bar, you know, in the movie, Bronx Tale, Chaz Palminteri. Rudy gives a great speech. All the Italians, the Albanians, the Macedonians, they go crazy pretending to be Italians naturally. Bravo, bravo, fortissimo. You got Rudy Giuliani signs everywhere at every restaurant, right, all over Arthur Avenue, Belmont. Rudy has to go to another engagement. I say, hey, I'm going to stay behind, guys. I'm looking at some of these wise guys. They're up to no good. Genovese guys. At that time, we're talking Vinny, the chin giganti. And Benny Eggs Mangano. Do you know Rudy was gone five minutes and they start ripping the signs down and putting up Dinkins for mayor signs in those places? I said, hey, what do you think you're doing? None of your business. Mind your business, Sleewood. This is none of your business. 
This is our place, not your place. You're a mutt, meaning I'm part Italian, not full Italian. These guys controlled Arthur Avenue and Belmont. And Rudy will always tell the story. 10% of the Italians would never vote for him because he busted Italian organized crime. They would curse him. They would call him a schifosa, a sfacim. Ten minutes after he left, they're pulling down all the signs. Like all of a sudden, they love David Dinkins. I'm looking at the shop owners. Oh, you love David Dinkins? No, not really. (laughs) Well, what am I going to do, Curtis? Yeah, you know, you're only here now. I got to deal with these guys all the time. Anyway, I may have to give an apology to uh, Mayor Eric Adams, who maybe was very fortuitous by creating that PSA, yes, early in the week. We had no idea that somebody was going to drop an atomic bomb right over the Empire State Building. But now we have documentary evidence that it could be the Ayatollah Khomeini. After uh, our President Joe Biden uh, did fist uh, bumping uh, with the, uh, the murderer prince of Saudi Arabia, uh, we forgot all about Khashoggi, right? Uh, and then all of a sudden went home. The Ayatollah Khomeini in Tehran said, yeah, we got the bomb. Uh, we we can launch a bomb. There's nothing that the United States or Israel is going to do to stop us. So maybe Eric Adams had some idea that this was going on because earlier in the week he had his organization uh, of emergency management issue uh, a PSA uh, Matt Blaze, can I hear the beginning of that PSA, please? So there's been a nuclear attack. Don't ask me how or why. Just know that the big one has hit. Okay? So what do we do? Don't ask me how or why. (laughs) What are we going to do? Lady, you're supposed to be the expert, right? Was she on loan from Los Alamos, New Mexico, where they developed a nuclear bomb? No, no, no. But she's going to tell us, step one, this is what you got. Listen. Ladies and gentlemen, this could be real now. Who knows? We didn't think. Maybe Putin, maybe the red Chinese dictator, maybe the evil seed of Kim Jong mentally ill behind the kimchi curtain of North Korea. Now it could be the Ayatollah Khomeini in Tehran. Step one, get inside fast. You, your friends, your family, get inside. And no, staying in the car is not an option. You need to get into a building and move away from the windows. Well, we move away from the windows because of all the drive-by shootings. I get that. But staying in the car is not an option. What do you do if you're on the Bell Parkway or the Grand Central Parkway or the Van Wick or the FDR? What do you do? Staying in the car is not an option. Where do you go? You know, you can't just go into a building any longer. You got to show ID, and then the security officers say, do you have a vaccine ID? Got to show a vaccine. And then you say, I don't even have to show an ID to vote. I need to get in the building. They, they, they drop in the big one. No, I must see a vaccine ID. If you're not vaccinated, you're not permitted in this building. Die, sucker, die. Uh, let's hear step two. Step two, stay inside. Shut all doors and windows. Have a basement? Head there. If you don't have one, get as far into the middle of the building as possible. If you were outside after the blast, get clean immediately. Remove and bag all outer clothing to keep radioactive dust or ash away from your body. 
So let me get this straight. You're going to take all your clothes off. You're walking around buck naked like an emotionally disturbed person or a homeless guy with a hefty trash bag with all your clothes in it. And somebody's going to let you in their building? You got to show your vax card. You got to show an ID. Hey, you want to vote? No. Illegal alien, come on in, vote. But when the bomb goes off, uh, are you vaccinated, you know, uh, because uh, we don't want you to infect everybody here. The bomb just went up. No, rules are rules. Then, of course, she told us um, the uh, Organization of Emergency Management, uh, step three. Step three, stay tuned. Follow media for more information. Don't forget to sign up for Notify NYC for official alerts and updates. And don't go outside until officials say it's safe. Wait a second. You're going to wait for the New York City website to inform you what to do? Do you realize four days in a row, the health department website about the monkey vax vaccine has crashed? And that's only gay guys and bisexual guys. The majority of the population is not going to get monkeypox. So the majority of the population will definitely melt down if the bomb goes off. And we're going to contact the city? No, 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 no. Somebody has to inform her that we proudly hear the host of the emergency alert broadcast system from time to time. That's right, you, Matt Blaze, you have to set off that weird sound. That's because we have been designated the place where, if God forbid, the bomb gets set off. WABC and WABC alone in the Northeast sector will carry a message from the White House, a bunker. Oh, my God, Joe Biden. Would I want him talking in the middle of that kind of emergency? Absolutely not. He'll probably start telling us a story. You know, when I was a kid, we used to do duck and cover. No, hold off on that, Joe. Do I want Vice President Harris giggling? No, 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 no. God, we're going to have to get a designated spokesperson. In fact, in case the Ayatollah decides to plop one down on the head. Now, why would the Ayatollah want to bomb New York? Because he wants to kill as many Jews as possible. In Israel, they have that shield, you know, over Israel. Well, we don't have that shield here in New York. So the Ayatollah probably looking at the map, looking at the other Ayatollahs. You know, we really hate Jews. Now, we can't get to them in Israel. Only 8 million of them. You know, it's the size of New Jersey. They got that golden dome to protect them. But there are a lot of Jews in New York. Yeah, more Jews in New York than any other place in the world other than Israel. Let's drop the bomb on. Yeah, but Ayatollah, you know, the moment we send a bomb towards New York, there's going to be like 10,000 bombs coming back in our direction. Let's do it. You know who said that? During the Cuban Missile Crisis, it was in Khrushchev's memoirs. So Khrushchev is having very balanced negotiations with JFK at that time. We had nuclear-armed missiles on the border with the Soviet Union from Turkey. Khrushchev had put armed nuclear weapons in Cuba. So it was like at a standstill. Khrushchev, sober at the time, calls up Fidel Castro. You know, Fidel... If we fire that missile, you're the first one who's going to be incinerated. There'll be no more Cuba. You know what Fidel Castro, hero to the left, the progressives, the Vencemeros Brigade who went to cut the sugar cane for him. He said, fire the missile. Khrushchev goes, have you been drinking? No. Fire the missile. You will be incinerated. 
it's okay, anything to get rid of the United States. That's when Khrushchev said, JFK, let's make a deal. You take out your nuclear missiles from Turkey, our border, we'll take them from Cuba, and it's a draw, right? Why? Because of Fidel Castro. Imagine, he tells Khrushchev, fire the missiles, show chutzpah, show you're a macho man. If I had the missiles, I would have fired them. Cuckoo, cuckoo for Cocoa Pups. And oh, people love Fidel Castro. Oh, Fidel Castro. What a man's man. Yeah, a nut job. But anyway, I don't think those three steps are going to work. There's a lot of holes there. And I understand Matt Blaze and the Frank Morano crew here. Uh, you know, you have no idea of what can possibly happen. I went through it in the Cold War. A lot of our listeners, mostly baby boomers, they know. There's only one remedy, one remedy alone. It's time for the good old-fashioned take it out, take the cobwebs off, dust off the dust. It's time for duck and cover. Duck and cover. Be sure and remember what Bert the Turtle just did, friends, because every one of us must remember to do the same thing. That's what this film is all about. Duck and cover. Paul and Patty know this. No matter where they go or what they do, they always try to remember what to do if the atom bomb explodes right then. It's a bomb, duck and cover. Sundays, holidays, vacation time, we must be ready every day, all the time, to do the right thing if the atomic bomb explodes. Duck and cover. That's the first thing to do. Duck and cover. First, you duck. And then, you cover. You duck and cover. Tight. Duck and cover under the table. It's a bomb. Duck and cover. He did what we all must learn to do. You. And you. And you. And you. Duck and cover. Oh, that brings back the memories. Bert the Turtle. By the way, it reminds me of the animal welfare hour coming up. Naturally, my wife Nancy would say, Save the turtles. Let me be incinerated first. She's such an animal lover, absolutely. But anyway, wait, wait. There's more. There's more. It's not just stuck in toe. No, no, you don't get an early exit here, Matt Blaze. Because sometimes you got to do some things that go against the grain of what you've been taught to do of late. We tell our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, don't go with strangers, right? Back then they told us, You better damn well find a stranger. Go to the nearest safe cover. Know where you are to go. Or ask an older person to help you. You know the places marked with the S sign? There are safe places to go when you hear the alarm. If there is a warning, you will hear it before the bomb explodes. Do you think I'm going to go into a shelter with the homeless people, with the emotionally disturbed? Are you out of your mind? I'll take my chances in the street. Now, they were honest back then. You see, nowadays, the PSA that Eric Adams put out, Office of Emergency Management, was only 90 seconds. I mean, let's face it, that was very ephemeral. Yeah, ephemeral, a $5 word, right? Figure that one out. You know, I'm an adjunct professor now, self-appointed from Hunter College. I just told you about all 72 terms of gender identification. Don't challenge me. It's ephemeral. But at least they were honest about what happens if things don't turn out the way the PSA says. But sometimes, and this is very, very important, sometimes the bomb might explode 
without any warning. Could I hear that again? <laughs> but sometimes, and this is very, very important, sometimes the bomb might explode without any warning. That's it. It's over. You're melted. So if someone hasn't detected that the bombs have been launched by the Ayatollah in Tehran or the evil seed of Kim Jong mentally ill behind the, the kimchi curtain of uh, North Korea or Putin or Red Chinese or maybe the crazies in Pakistan, you know, all of a sudden the extremists take over. Yeah, they got the nukes. Oh, my. Or maybe some crazies in India. And why the hell would a country give up its nuclear weapons? Remember what happened to Gaddafi, Momo and Gaddafi? Hey, Bush 43 said, Momo, I know you hate Jews, but hey, you're, you're our Jew hater. Just give us your nuclear weapons. We'll protect you. And what did that schmuck, that putz do, Momo and Gaddafi? He gave up his nuclear weapons. Guess what happened? The next thing you know, some Libyan with a Yankee cap and a 22 put it upside his tuchus and boom, gone. He took the Paradise Express right on up to Allah's side. Then think of Zelensky and the Ukrainians. You know, the Ukrainians had the third most number of nuclear weapons in the world when the uh, wall came down. Glasnost, Perestroika of, uh, of uh, Gorbachev that led to uh, the lush Yeltsin taking over and then all the oligarchs raping uh, Russia. The Ukraine had the missiles. Now, Clinton convinced them, give us your missiles, we'll give you dollars, and then, you know, we'll we'll decertify the missiles and we'll return all that uranium uh, so that we can use it for energy use in uh, various uh, nuclear uh, energy facilities. Now, if you're Zelensky, now you're saying, oh, we gave up all our nuclear weapons? Do you think Putin would have invaded us if we still had our nuclear weapons? Hell no, he wouldn't. You know who else gave up their nuclear weapons? South Africa. You know, I got guardian angels in Cape Town. So when we're organizing there, they say, oh, you got to come to the preserve. You know, you can see the elephants. You can see the lions in their normal atmosphere. You know, uh, no hunting allowed there. So we go there, and I see these huge missile silos empty. I say, what's there? Oh, that's where our nuclear weapons used to be. Really? What happened to them? The clerk gave him up before the end of apartheid. He gave him up because he thought if Nelson Mandela and the ANC got hold of those missiles, they would use it against all their enemies. How did that work out? You think in South Africa now they're saying, we had the freaking nuclear weapons. He gave them up. Nobody wants to give up their weapons. Now the Ayatollah. Says he's going to drop a big one. And he ain't going to hit Israel. They're going to hit him first. But if he wants to kill a lot of Jews, he's going to come at us. By the way, before we go to the animal welfare hour, just to show you duck and cover, when I was a kid, Matt Blaze, that's right, in the Frank Morano, Sickle Fence, Toadies and Lackeys who are here. It's 1960, December 16th. We were in the midst of the Cold War. And we were doing duck and cover every day in St. Matthew's on Eastern Parkway, Utica Avenue. The Irish nuns, Sister Ruth, first grade. It was approximately 10 o'clock. We heard this sonic boom. Little did we realize two planes had collided over Staten Island. One went down in Millerfield by New Dorp. 
Everyone died in those plane, that plane. The other plane crashed in Park Slope, 20 blocks away, wiped out a whole block. Everybody died in that plane, killed a few people on the ground. And Sister Ruth was in the front of the class. This is the real one. Start saying you're our fathers and your Hail Marys. She pulls out the rosary, duck and cover, duck and cover. And we're saying, oh, Father one in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And I got my head between my legs. I mean, I'm kissing my left hookers. I'm kissing my right hookers. Man, you can see a lot of things from down there when you do duck and cover. Hopefully you wiped you when you came out of the bathroom because you'll be asphyxiated. We were down there for five minutes until finally the Mother Superior came in and said, it's not a nuclear attack. The plane went down in Park Slope, only 20 blocks away on the other side of Prospect Park. But we were prepared. We knew how to do duck and cover. We were proud. Sister Ruth gave us all brownie points, right? She said, I'm going to write home to your mommies and daddies. Then she had second thoughts. Should I scare the bejeevers out of the kids' mommies and daddies? So the mother superior decided no letters home to describe to mommies and daddies what the kids in first grade, Sister Ruth's class, have to go through. Matt Blaze, you know what it's like to stick your head down there where the sun doesn't shine and kiss your tuchus? God, from then on, I learned to wipe. Charmin toilet paper, two, three wipes. I never again wanted to be in a position where it was duck and cover, and I died from asphyxiation instead of the fallout from a nuclear attack. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind, St. Francis of Assisi's, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals, and Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents... Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. No doubt in my mind is once again, I get to host the final hour of the Quinella that I've just gone through the marathon of the weekend. I started Friday night. As you know, I start uh, the other, other side of midnight, 12 to 6 until the break of dawn. And then I come back uh, to join Anthony Weiner 3 to 4 after he does in the middle Saturdays uh, from uh, 2 to 3. We were making news as I snook at him into having to respond to the fact that Bradley Cooper is now with his former wife, Huma. And it made news. Well, I bet you he regrets being with me uh, on Saturday. Uh, as I say to uh, my co-hosts, hostesses, and personnel, tough nuggies, uh, that's the price we pay here. It's not just uh, talking about the news. It's not just giving commentary about the news. It's sometimes making the news. And then I returned, right, overnight, 12 to 6, uh, during the marathon to the break of dawn. Earlier today, 3 to 5, I saw the crazies outside on the ATVs, the quads, uh, the dirt bikes. I'll fix them. Don't worry about it. I'm going to war with them. And then after a massive uh, hours of entertainment, Vinny Maduno from 5 to 6, the Staten Island kid, he's... I mean, he's surging here. I mean, he's so good. The protege of Cousin Brucey and then uh, Jersey uh, Joe Piscopo in to do the Frank Sinatra two-hour extravaganza for Ramsey Monster. 
And then Dina Martin spinning stacks of wax for Dean Martin. And then the two hours you've just heard. But this, believe it or not, out of all the hours I do, including during the week when I serve you lunch, uh, you know, 12.15 to 1, right after the uh, 15-minute update by uh, Bill O'Reilly, 12.15 to 1, I rip and redo commentary, no calls. Uh, And uh, this is the most requested, most listened to, most called in of the many segments I do, the Animal Welfare Show, featuring... Uh, my beautiful wife, uh, Nancy, who is also the animal rescuer extraordinaire. Thanks again for jumping on uh, the Curtis and Nancy Noah's Ark. Don't take offense to that, Nancy, because we have the Frank Morano crew on here who is doing everything they can to sabotage this program. Be- oh. Before we get into the animal issues, you know what this guy did, this Mama Luke? <laughs> no, I don't. He sends me an email. He says, oh, I've got these free tickets to the Cyclones, the ball game in uh, Coney Island, the Met uh, farm team. 2.30 on Sunday. Gee, it would be great if you and Nancy can come. You know, Carmine's going to be with us. It's, you know, first time in Coney Island. 2.30 in the afternoon. You know, he knew that if I went for that, I'd never get back to do the 3 o'clock show and end up getting fired. Yes. How do you like this diabolical guy? Very diabolical. Hmm. And by the way, uh, he continues. Uh, every time his callers ask him about any animal-related issues or the fate of his own three cats that are really not his cats, they're really Rachel's, he inherited them in the marriage, he was really a dog person all the time, he still refuses to do a referral to you, who are the animal welfare expert here at WABC. Refuses. He's obstinate. He's pretentious. He's stubborn. Yeah, I mean, hopefully he'll see the light at some point. But, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm, I understand. He doesn't want to give any light to the show, but that's fine. I mean, I think he'll get it eventually. Well, you handle it a lot better than I do. I'll fix his wagon. <laughs> Try to get me fired today, huh? Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. You know, it would have been nice, Nancy. We had enough time between shows yesterday. I could have taken you to his barbecue there in Staten Island. It was from 2 to 8. Did you get an invitation, Nancy? No, I, I didn't get an invitation, but I did see that the uh, egg salad was in the refrigerator. So... But that's a little too far for me, so I couldn't get it any. Um, I mean, I'm not sure if you got a chance to sample it. Was it good? No. No, let me tell you something. (laughs) Nancy was there for two weeks, and the instructions were burp the Tupperware every hour. Yeah, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, I mean, I can understand he doesn't want to invite me. I get that. But you could have gone there and looked at the three cats while you were there. Yeah, I could have uh, represented us as a couple, for sure. But you know something? That was then, and this is now. There you go. We got Both of us, we were so happy. Our friend Robert Holden, the city council uh, man representing Middle Village, Maspeth, and Glendale that we've been to often, was on the front steps of City Hall. He has legislation that will once and for all do away with the horse carriage industry what is he uh, hoping to be able to do with a law passed by city council? Well, I mean, so first of all, um, 
uh, Robert Holton is very committed to animal uh, interests and causes in general. So, I mean, you can't have a better advocate than, uh, you know, Robert Holden. Now, in terms of the, uh, you know, the, uh, the carts, like, the problem is, you know, when people visit the city, I, th- I mean, certainly I think a lot of indiv- individuals do want to go through Central Park, but the horse-drawn carriages, there's no need to have the horses involved in that. So I think that's what a lot of, like a lot of people are realizing, you don't need to have that. So if you go to Central Park at this point, you see people who have like a bicycle elements, you know, pe- you know, there's a lot of ways to get around Central Park. So there's something that's really unnatural about having the horses there. And this has been something that has been, you know, sort of a challenge for a very long period of time. In terms of the public interest, I mean, most people who live in New York City, they're not interested in having that. And this weird thing about having, oh, people who visit, like, you know, no no one's really interested in going on the horse-drawn carriages. They just want to be able to see the park. So if you actually implemented um, some of these electronic vehicles, they have these in all these countries throughout the world. So there's no reason. I mean, you can have the, the same people who are driving the horse-drawn carriages. They can be driving the electronic vehicles. There's, I mean, there would be no slack in their job. So, I mean, no one's going to be losing, you know, their job going forward. But the problem is, for some reason, they're trying to just not have this. It just, it's so much more humane to have the horses out the mix. You know, so ironic. We're talking about that now and giving props to Robert Holden and all those who are supporting uh, the changeover for the horse carriage industry. None of the horse drivers would lose their jobs. They, as you said, they'd be driving electric cars. They do that now in Santo Domingo and the Dominican Republic, third world country, Bombay. Uh, they do that in Monterey, in New Mexico. I mean, in Mexico. And they do that in Las Vegas. And the reason. Yeah, again, yeah the whole point is like. You know, people who are tourists, if they want to see the city, they want to see the park. I mean, the entire point is the person who's the driver, they're giving you the history. They're letting you know, oh, this is what happened here. They're really the most integral to the entire, you know, sort of a point. Like, they're the people who are super important. So whether they're cycling, whether it's a electronic vehicle. You don't need to have animals in the mix. They're telling you the history of New York City. That's what's most important. You know, it's uh, amazing. Is the big cultural story is that earlier today, a few hours ago, uh, J-Lo, Jennifer Lopez, married Ben Affleck. They did it in Vegas. Right. They did it in Vegas. It was at one of the Elvis Presley churches, you know, a lot. (laughs) And do you know that after they got married, Normally, they would have gotten into a horse-drawn carriage. That's the tradition. You go down the strip in Vegas, and they got into the electric cart that has replaced oh gosh, the horse-drawn it. carriages. Okay, so I, 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 I didn't know that part, so I'm so super excited they did that. Like, good for them doing that. Um, and it's about time they, they hooked up. 
Now, uh, props, props to Robert Holden, as you mentioned. He's been out there <laughs> fighting for animal rights. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. And, I, and I think it's it's a really good chance the city council, which are mostly progressives, who normally uh, would vote for that, uh, will vote for that. Then and hopefully the mayor will not veto it because uh, he has supported the TWU, the union uh, that uh, uh, basically has control of the horse carriage drivers and I mean, now it's a perfect opportunity for Eric Adams just to say, "Okay, let's let's do what these other cities do." Now, speaking of that, Nancy, yes, the biggest pressing issue is Dr. Fauci is back. <laughs> oh no! He's talking about obviously monkeypox vaccines. He's talking about this new uh, COVID nineteen variant B two five or whatever they call it. But I am concerned because with him coming back out of his bunker, himself recovering. From uh, COVID-19, a bout of COVID-19, he was in quarantine. There are those 4,000 beagles in need of homes uh, after uh, that uh, Virginia facility closed down. In fact, Vito Fasella this uh, past week came on with John Katsimatidis in the the roundtable discussion at 5. And that's what he was talking about. He was talking about trying to find homes for these beagles. Now... He didn't say it's because he was afraid that Dr. Fauci would requisition the Beagles and want to experiment on them like he was doing in subcontracting the Tunisians to do the most horrible experiments on Beagles for no purpose to have these sand fleas eat away their heads, their noses, their ears while they were trapped in these horrid torture chambers with our tax dollars. So we have to urge everybody out there to contact the uh, rescue operation that has 4,000 beagles to make sure that the CDC and Dr. Fauci do not get their hands on those beagles because you know what he's going to do, Nancy, what he's done before, torture beagles. I mean, and again, it's like in terms of a lot of these different institutions, uh, regardless of what you know, where they're coming from, they're trying to, in theory, forward the momentum for health care for society at large. But the reality is what they're doing for the, you know, to the animals, it's not really adding to the equation. And that's really the problem. I mean, no one's really calling them out. Like, is it successful? Are they doing something important? I mean, you would hope that the goal would be to you know, in conjunction with moving, you know, this mission forward, you're not causing harm to living creatures. But because they're not getting called out, it continues to happen. And that's a problem. So, you know, the the more attention that gets drawn to this, the better it is, because you can gain so much more. And I think a lot of these places, they're, they're stuck in the mix. They're not moving forward they're just getting funding because the funding continues to happen irrespective of their success rate. You know, the point is you want to move stuff forward. And if you're trying to move things forward in the right way, the same way that, uh, you know, the government tries to encourage and mandate a lot of these bigger companies to be green, oh, to be environmentally friendly, to, you know, sort of uh, make a little bit of a less footprint, like, the whole point is you have that ability to make that happen because you're in control of the, the purse rings. They're not doing that. So when it comes to living beings, 
they really should prioritize that because, you know, if you don't do that, it's going to lead to a lot of suffering of animals needlessly for, you know, and there's nothing to add to the equation. Amazing. Intuitively, Vito Fisella, Staten Island Borough President, spoke at length with John Katsimatidis on the 5 o'clock roundtable discussion about the plight of these beagles. Now, he never mentioned Dr. Fauci, but I think in the back of his mind he was worried that if Dr. Fauci uh, got hold of these beagles, he would outsource them again to some third-world country to run these crazy, torturous experiments on them. Now, speaking of animals and their rights being violated. Remember we had that call last week during the Animal Welfare Hour. The woman was so nice to call and give us an update that the elderly Hispanic uh, man on 88th and Boyd in Ozone Park, where I spent one year of my life growing up in the shadow of the A-train, had his French bulldog stolen from him right in front of his house. When this uh, black uh, young adult came up uh, with his moped, petted the uh, French bulldog, and then took the French bulldog, took him away, sold him. Uh, And luckily, the woman who purchased the French bulldog saw all the signs in the neighborhood of the picture of the bulldog and said, you know something, I'm going to bring it back to his family. And uh, that French bulldog was repatriated to the family. The elderly Hispanic has his his, uh, family friend uh, and member back in Ozone Park on 88th and Boyd. But we're seeing a whole slew of these kidnappings in New York and Miami. What is it that's propelling this? Well, I mean, in terms of the type of uh, dog that, like, you're referencing, I I think it's really just the resale value, and that's kind of the problem. It's like, so, you know, for instance, in the subways in New York City, you have kids who are riding the subways, and they have their... Their cell phones, I mean, some of these cell phones cost like, you know, a a grand or more. And then there's a reason why these, like, you know, kids get targeted. Like, it's it's a value thing, you know, so people see it. So in terms of these types of dogs, there's a value to stealing them because there's a a resale value. And that's kind of the problem. So if... I mean, again, I'm, I mean, I'm not sure what it is if people want to have these dogs, but you have to realize that if you're going to be walking with them outside, there there certainly is going to be a lot of eyes on them. And depending upon who the person is, like maybe someone would want to, you know, steal this dog because they realize there is a resale value to them. No, that's happening not just here in New York City, Miami, Dade County, Broward County, and Florida And if you go north uh, from that area, there's a Florida county. In fact, it's um, Newport Ritchie. It's in Pasco County that is in a lockdown. Now you'd say, well, what are they in a lockdown for? Is it a new variant of uh, COVID-19? No. Is it monkeypox? No. Is it some other virus, you know, maybe tropical virus since Florida is in a tropical area? No. No. The Florida County is under quarantine due to the discovery of invasive giant African land snails. This is incredible. This is like this is like out of a, a an old classic B movie, you know, like the pods, uh, you know, body snatchers. What do these snails do that people were so afraid of them? 
Well, apparently there's like uh, some sort of uh, ailment related to the snails, but uh, I-, I can give like a little bit of a personal story. When I was uh, living in Bohemia, we had uh, a sliding glass door to the backyard. And I remember there was, you know, like uh, what was so nice about growing up in Long Island, right? Like you have a lot of... Uh, nature like interaction with nature but when the sun goes down there's a lot of things that happen in you know in long island right in terms of like the animals and the the insects and stuff so the slugs the slugs would climb up you know on the the glass doors like you would see them like it was i mean it's really insane and then these slugs in florida they actually, because of, uh, you know, like like one of them actually had something that was uh, like an ailment to people, but the, the slugs are much, much, much larger. So now people are being told to stay indoors, uh, you know, when it gets like late at night. But, I mean, the slugs are quite large in Florida, apparently. I mean, I know what they were like in Long Island, but in Florida, they're like three, four times as large. Well, I think uh, we should offer Florida your services because you grew up in Bohemia out there in Suffolk County. I can't even find Bohemia on the map out there. I know it's near Ronkonkoma. But as a slug snail expert, why not, since so many of our citizens are fleeing down to Florida, right, from uh, Long Island, from Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New York City, upstate New York, New Jersey, why not we uh, put you on loan to deal with those snails, those sl- those slugs in uh, pa- Pasco County? You know, again, in, in Long Island, it was so great. Like, I mean, as a kid growing up in Long Island, it's so nice to grow up in that sort of environment where you see nature, you see animals, like you wake up in the morning, you hear these things. But it's it's so curious. It's like I definitely with the slugs, they would crawl up on the the windows like you would see them. I mean, at, at nighttime, it's like there was so many different insects and creatures. I mean, you would never know. Like growing up in the city, you would never have experience with them. But there were so many of them in Long Island where, like, you know, dragonflies, like um, – uh, you know, all these types of things. It's like, it's it's so beautiful to see that stuff as a kid growing up. But, I mean, it's definitely like, you know, it gives you a very good perspective. Insects and animals, I mean, like you, they're so, you know, again, you have to be very cognizant of them. Well, I got to tell you, my experience as a kid and then as a young adult and then as an adult and some of the places I lived before I met you, I turned the light on in the apartment, and I looked down, and the roaches were on military maneuvers. Yeah, uh, I remember, like, in, in, like earwigs in Long Island. Like, if you would lift up, like, a, a piece of, of a wood, all of a sudden, like, you know, 500 earwigs would just, you know, start scaring. I mean, it's like all these weird things. When you grow up in the country, you see insects that you never even knew existed until like you're there and it's like again as a kid it's kind of interesting but there's so many like insects in the country our number is 1-800-848-9222 it's the animal welfare edition of wabc 1-800-848-wabc 
Uh, I had mentioned before you came on, Nancy, that uh, when I organized the Guardian Angels in Cape Town, uh, the sponsors of the group there brought me down to a animal preserve, which was a little north of Cape Town. And it's where originally the apartheid government of the the clerk uh, had kept their seven nuclear bombs, and they had given them up. Because they felt when uh, they turned over the country to the ANC and Nelson Mandela that those bombs might be used against them and uh, others who were their allies. Uh, they gave them up. They no longer exist, but they had this beautiful animal preserve. And when the uh, South Africans were taking me around, the caretakers, I saw the huge elephants, you know, whole colonies of elephants, the big elephants, the small elephants. And you brought to my attention the orphaned elephants that were taken in by a colony of elephants that are now raising it sort of like reminds me, remember when Hillary would say, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes an elephant herd to raise orphan elephants. Yeah, so so these are uh, basically just uh, orphaned, you know, elephants. But, I mean, you can, uh, across the board, it's like for any animal that's an orphaned child animal, they're always looking for that connection. So, I mean, a lot of what we've done with um, cats that we've brought in and then we adopt them out, you know, if we have them when they're super young, the reality is, I mean, that's their instinct, right? They want to be part of a group. They want to be coddled. They want to be taken care of. So, you know, obviously my goal is always just to, you know, make them very uh, accustomed to people and, you know, that that need they have to be taken care of. Okay, so you have to do that as a person. But the reality is like with these, uh, so in, in this uh, story with the elephants, you know, you put them in the mix where they're part of a crew. And that's what it is. Like, they're just very accustomed to being part of a group. So you really just need to swap them out in these situations where they're able to be part of a crew and people are taking care of them. And again, like we've brought in, uh, you know, younger cats and, you know, the older cats we have, you know, they, they'll just take them under their wing and that's important. So, I mean, this is what happened with these, uh, you know, elephants in this sort of study. They were showing like, oh, the, these elephants, they, they didn't have their parents anymore. But if you put them in that situation where they're being socialized, it really does carry the day for their personality. Like, I mean, that's what they're looking for. So, you know, they went into the situation, they're being socialized, and now they're just part of a group. So it's not the group they came with, but they're able to, you know, sort of go along with it. Interesting. Right before the lockdown and pandemic, uh, right at the start of it in March of 2020, one of our listeners uh, came down and adopted uh, one of the cats that you had rescued from the New York City shelter uh, in uh, uh, East Harlem that was slated yes. to be executed that would have been uh, killed, destroyed, yes. had you not rescued it. And he was kind enough uh, to bring uh, her back to Boston. Uh, she's frolicked. She's flourished ever since. <laughs> uh, what was the name of that cat? Well, Brooklyn is the, is the name of the cat. Yeah, and, and I mean, and, and and what a great personality this this cat had. So this cat was living outdoors, 
So, you know, again, right, it, it's hard to gauge, like, what their personality is going to be. We brought this cat in, and then this cat was taking care of other cats. This cat was, you know, like, almost like the mediator, like a friend of everyone. You know, it, you, you don't really know the personalities until you see them, but this cat had such an amazingly wonderful personality where it could calm other cats down this cat was very, you know, um, nice tempered, you know, this cat wouldn't, you know, be aggressive. Like, I mean, perfect, perfect, perfect type of cat. And I'm so glad that the, the couple that adopted this cat, it was a perfect, a perfect fit because it's like, this is the exact home where this cat, you know, belongs, you know, people who are on that same sort of uh, page I'm so happy. Like, again, like it, to me, it feels so good when there's, like, a perfect fit for, you know, people adapting the cats out. But it's like, yeah, I mean, this cat was, like, really, really one of those special cats. Like, so cool. So well, cool. Well, this uh, leads right into the story where a cat finally was found after two weeks at, at the Boston airport. Uh, <laughs> how was it able to exist for two weeks without anybody knowing hide nor hair that it was in the airport. Well, that's the thing, right? So the airport is like a, a big space. And eventually they were able to capture the cat. Like maybe by default, the, you know, the, the cat realized like there was nowhere else to go. But now if you imagine how much space there is in, in the airport terminals and stuff. Yeah. I mean, this cat probably just avoided everything, um, you know, but you know, when it comes down to it, this cat really was, you know, wanted to be caught because there wasn't anything to be gained by hanging out there. But I mean, again, and this cat now, and this is a perfect example of, you know, when people travel with, with pets, right? So um, I know with, for instance, we have obviously a lot of cats. It's the only time I bring cats um, with us or like if I bring them outdoors, it's like either they're going to the vet or if we're going to be gone for a little bit of time and maybe a cat needs like additional attention, like maybe they need medicine or things like that. But cats don't make a lot of sense, in my opinion, to travel with, you know, unless that's their personality, because they're very, you know, you know, they want to be sort of uh, in a corner, you know, they, they, they want to be in their own little space. So I, I think whoever, you know, this couple was, the family was, they brought the cat there, and then they brought the cat, and the cat got freaked out, and then it was hiding in the airport. Now, there's a lot of space in the airport, so they couldn't find the cat. Like, there's no chance of just, like, making a, a noise and finding the cat. There's way too much space, but eventually, I think this cat was worn down. Like, I need to get back home, so... You know, it took two weeks to find this cat. But again, this is why I I don't I don't quite understand why people would again unless it was a a need to travel with the cat. I mean, it it just doesn't make any sense to travel with pets in general, in my opinion, because you know their comfort zone is their home. Well, you know, uh, it's interesting. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks did a movie living in a the LAX terminal. I think it was called the terminal in which he lived. Uh, 
God, I, I don't know, endless days. Uh, I think he was like from East Europe, Serbia, somewhere like that. Maybe, maybe we could do a remake with his cat. But anyway, when we return to the Animal Welfare Edition here at WABC, it's time to go to the phones. One eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight WABC. Dominic Carter in the bullpen. He's the barrier between me and Frank Morano. He'll be on a little before twelve. I want to find out how he enjoyed the barbecue uh, Frank Morano put on for almost everyone in the world except for me, Nancy, and actually the two guys uh, who work with me on the other 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 side of uh, Midnight Avery and uh, Broadway Bill Lee. WABC. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Let's get right to the many calls. This is the most uh, listened to and requested hour of the many hours I do here at WABC and the most call driven. Let's go to Bob in Belmore. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Bobby. Ah. An act of sabotage by Matt Blaze here. See, unfortunately, Nancy, we have the Frank Morano crew, not our normal crew. Let's go to John in South Carolina, the Gamecock State. Your turn to be heard, John. Hey there, Curtis and Nancy. We're uh, formal knuckleheads. We're recovering from New Jersey where, uh, you know, Murphy told us, if you don't like it, leave. So we left. <laughs> but here we... Where you go? Here we are in this... Uh, uh, complex. It's kind of like a, 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 a fancy trailer park, but it's not trailers. Anyway, we're here uh, five days now, and right. my granddaughter who, vis- who visits us here fell in love with that. There's about eight cats, kittens. There's <laughs> six like kittens running around here, and two smaller kittens all of a sudden. But anyway, she fell in love with this one cat, and they're trying to find out if my son-in-law is allergic or not. But um, my question is, uh, it was kind of, we brought it in our apartment here um, and fed it, and she slept, like, for six hours. And then we, she went back out. <clears throat> her, her mom and whatever live around uh, about four cottages away. And uh, we're just concerned. Today she came in, and she was not that uh, comfortable being indoors. It might have been our imagination. The, the woman who has the cats, who I'm going to talk to to try to get them fixed, um, said that she's only been outside now for five or six days. Can one, can a, a feral cat, what is that? That's that's like, uh, that, how do you know if a kitten is feral? That's the question. Okay, yeah, so, uh, okay, so in terms of that, right, it's it's very... Okay, so it's it's certainly very hard to gauge. If you have cats that are outdoors, so the idea is when cats are born outdoors, there's, so in theory, there's like this uh, window of time in which you can socialize them. When they're kittens, they grow up outdoors. But the um, game changer is how much they're interacting with people. So... I, you know, when they're young, and if for some reason the, you know, the mother cat happens to live in the area, and then the kittens grow up and they're seeing people, 
they're much more social than would be considered, quote-unquote, feral cats. So that really is, like, the difference there. They'll they'll be outdoors, but they're almost like the equivalent of indoor kittens. So, I mean, again, the whole thing is to try and, um, you know, catch them, like, to make sure that even if you're not going to uh, bring the cats in or adopt them out, if you know, they're in the area, if if they're friendly enough where you can, you know, be in close proximity to them, if you can catch them and just fix them and get them their shots and things like that, then at least they're, you know, they have like a leg up living outdoors if you're not going to be adopting them indoors. But, yeah, there's no question. I mean, this sort of um, uh, sort of idea of like, are, are they feral, are they not? I mean, the same way like bears, you know, they, you see all these like really cute videos and stuff where, you know, bears are like, you know, walking into people's kitchens and stuff. There's so much of a close proximity of a lot of these quote unquote outdoor feral animals. They, they're they growing up because their lifespan is so quick that, you know, they're babies. They're, they're growing up. They're seeing people. They're interacting with people. That's how they know, like, that's how they grow up. Oh, people are fine. Like, I don't have to be worried. Like, same way the pigeons in New York City, like, you know, the lifespan is so quick. It's like they grow up, they know people. So, yeah, I mean, no question with these cats. Like, I mean, I would say with the outdoor ones, the whole goal is always to uh, fix them. If you can't do it yourself, uh, reaching out to maybe some of these local groups, because, again, if you are interacting with them like this close proximity, chances are it's like really super easy to grab them. And then once they're fixed, at least there's not like uh, thousands of cats, you know, being like, you know, procreated, which is really the goal to begin with. So it's like, I mean, and again, it's like, but but you're right. It's like, it, they're so, they're almost like indoor cats. They just happen to live outside. So yeah, it's, it's very interesting, like, <laughs> that, that's sort of a close proximity. Let's go to Leo on the Upper West Side. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, Leo. Good morning, Nancy. Uh, you're not going to be happy, but I'm going to say uh, you cannot be more hopelessly wrong about the Central Park animals. I really, when I hear you talking about it, it's almost like when Biden is explaining why this economy doesn't work and why we have... Uh, uh, we have expensive gas. Okay. You're talking about it's nothing more unnatural for horses than being in New York. I was traveling through the world. I was in Atlantic Island where I live uh, wild horses. I was in Portugal, in Spain, where are wild horses. They're living in a forest. So if these horses are in the Central Park, it's the most natural habitat around. Well, I, I think, Leo, you don't understand... Uh, horses like to frolic. They like to play. They like to be able to move around. When you, All you have to do is just watch these horses on some of these hot, sweltering days as they're queued up waiting for uh, tourists to come uh, uh, take a ride uh, throughout Central Park. Their heads are down on the ground. They look like uh, that's it. They know their life is over. They're, they're not happy. When I see horses that are frolicking around playing with other horses, they look like they're happy. I mean, just observe. Curse, was there a time when the horses were housed in Central Park? 
those were horses that you could actually ride. They were housed in Central Park. I'm not okay. sure if the yeah, yeah, because again, like I mean, even though I totally disagree with that, it's like I mean, it always weirds me out that they have to walk like five blocks through city traffic. Like, I wonder if there was a time when the horses were in Central Park where they didn't have to deal with you know honking horns and stuff like that. They may have. They may have. Let's uh, do a deep dive and research that so when we return next Sunday, same time, same place, we can uh, uh, let our uh, audience uh, know. Uh, Let's go to uh, Frank, who's calling from Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC. Frankie. Yeah, hi. How you doing? Great show. Um, My girlfriend, I live in Park Slope, and my girlfriend lives on uh, 7th Avenue, in Windsor Place, and she has a raccoon issue in her backyard, uh, and they called the police actually today. The police said there's nothing they can do about it. <laughs> wait, really, uh, wait, what's the raccoon issue that required the police? Well, there was one laying on a fire escape that looked like it was hurt or or something, and oh, uh, okay, she called okay. the police, and they said, no, that's not your building. We need the owner's uh, uh, permission to go and, and – uh, see what's going on, but even at that, there's nothing we can do. I don't know if there's any more animal control in uh, in New York City, what there used to be as a kid, because I was born and raised here, when I come and take, uh, you know, animals, uh, turkeys, or whatever the hell it was to run around, but there's not just one. There's like four or five, and the woman downstairs was the backyard, is concerned because she's got kids, you know, raccoons. They could be rabid. It could be a real issue. So they called the service. I'm not sure what it was, but they wanted like $4,000 to come and get rid of the problem. But I don't know. Does the city handle that? I mean, it's right next door to Bill de Blasio's campaign office for Congress, believe it or not. Well, that tells you a lot right there. The fact <laughs> that the raccoon is probably uh, like almost expired, realizing that all of a sudden Bill de Blasio is occupying a headquarters right next to their nest. It's outrageous. Okay, okay, no, no, but no, but seriously, um, the proximity of um, you know any of these you know quote unquote like sort of uh, outdoor animals like raccoons is, I mean, is the you have to just look at the situation. People are in such close proximity to them. So I think the idea back in the day was if you see them, they're rabid, they're sick, because you wouldn't see them otherwise. Now at this point, I think the reality is they're just growing up. They're literally being born in an area where there's lots of people. So it's not indicative of anything um, negative with them. So now if the, you know, again, the question is, okay, if you don't want to have them, okay, so in the city, right, there's, there's uh, you know, squirrels, there's birds, there's this, there's that. So it's not that, I mean, if there's not anything wrong with the animals. It's just a question of saying, okay, this is what's going on. I think a lot of the things, if, um, you know, the city's trying to be proactive in anything going on, they should say, okay, what can we do maybe to, um keep the procreation rate down, which I think there's a lot of ability for them to make that happen, because the reality is we're now basically coexisting with a lot of these animals. So, yeah, I don't think there's anything to be nervous about them. The fact that they're there, I think, is just uh, a product of normal society. But I I think it's like the same thing like with the outdoor, the feral cats, you know, the cats we take care of. 
you want to fix them because, you know, by choice, they're not trying to have families. You know, they just can't help themselves. So, you know, you don't want to just say, oh, let's just kill them at large, which is what a lot of the, the city response is. Oh, let's take care of them. They're pests, quote unquote pests. No, they're not. It's that they can't control their own sort of procreation. So if you want to help, what you should be doing is figuring out how to do the same thing like we do with the outdoor cats, right? Spaying, neutering. They continue to live outdoors, but they don't create additional, you know, little kittens. That's exactly what you should be doing. So this is really the the path of action a lot of uh, a lot of the city action should take the state action should take just recognizing the reality of the situation this is how you do it so yeah it's like i, I think that's how you should go one final uh, call Stephen from long island your turn to be heard here on the animal welfare edition of wabc steve hey i had a golden retriever two-year lovable golden retriever we got him from the amish country and everything was pretty good. He had a little problem with his leg. One day, my son was running him. He ran across the yard, and he just plopped. He shook like three times, and that was the end. At two years old, we just find it very hard to accept. Uh, Nancy, uh, I mean, we saw that with one of our cats, uh, Hope who was walking, uh, jumped off a thing, and then all of a sudden there was a stroke. And she was able to survive yeah. about a day, but uh, he might have just had a stroke. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so so some of the cats that, like, with we've had, it's like, you know, you see, like, a progression. But with Hope, no question, it was like, I mean, Hope was uh, completely fine and then just went downhill now. I mean, if you were, you know, uh, you know, curious about what was maybe the the uh, downfall, like what happened, I'm sure you can figure it out. But but the reality is, like, I mean, with all the cats we have, I mean, I always feel like, you know, you want to be very cognizant of basic things, or do they have anything where, oh, you see like a health issue, but. Unfortunately, there's certainly some situations where out of nowhere, nothing makes sense and they do have a decline going on. So now if you want to figure out like what's going on, like that, I mean, obviously it's always a a great question to figure out like what's going on with them. But I I don't know. There there certainly is. I think sometimes like some of these, um, you know, sort of underlying issues with the animals and if you're doing, you know, the the best thing you can by them and something happens and then maybe there is like some underlying issue. Well, you know, also the golden retriever, they like to run around like dogs. They love to put their nose in the dirt. If pesticides. When, when I was a kid growing up, we had a golden retriever and their personality is it's like the best you could possibly ever have for like a family dog. They're the sweetest disposition. Like, I mean, we could just hug this dog. Like, this dog is, like, just so sweethearted. Like, I love Golden Retrievers. Now, uh, if people would like any more information about all the great work you're doing in animal welfare, how can they contact you, Nancy? 
on uh, Nancy at guardianangels.org and and just to uh, just to give a shout out, like I've gotten some messages and uh, just to let people know, like I've gotten some messages, so I'm definitely going to be touching base with people in the next day or two. Like I'm trying to figure out how to help people additionally. Well, we're going to be expanding this format, not just the live program on Sunday nights from 11 to 12. We're going to have a, a video podcast where we actually have people bring their animals in studio. And we're going to do a separate podcast that deal with the specific remedies for some of the problems that plague families who have animals as their family members and their friends and remember, if you'd like to find out all the great work that Nancy does within the Guardian Angels uh, for the Animal uh, Rescue Division, just go to guardianangels.org. That's guardianangels.org. W-A-B-C. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 W-A-B-C. Well, 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 Dominic Carter. How was the uh, Frank Morano, Rachel Carmine barbecue out in Staten Island on Saturday? Huh? Uh, Dominic, huh? I, I just can't win. I can't win. Well, you did go, right? You were invited, weren't you? Um, I was invited, and I was here Saturday. Uh, working on a podcast. No, no, I saw you here. Mm-hmm. I saw you here because I was doing one of my shifts, the one that made all that uh, uh, worldwide attention when I uh, I goaded uh, Anthony Weiner left versus right three to four. Remember, into answering the question, hey, uh, how'd you like it that all of a sudden this uh, what was it uh, Anderson Cooper? Or, no, 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 he doesn't go that way. Bradley Cooper uh, was all of a sudden hooked up with uh, Huma, his former wife. And he was talking and talking, and the New York Post had the story out before we even finished the program. <laughs> but I noticed you invited Frank Morano and Rachel and Carmine to a barbecue in Pomona, one of the whitest suburbs in Rockland County where even the lawn jockeys are white. But I never got my invite. I, I invited you first, Mr. Sliwa, years ago, and you have never uh, come. You're welcome. Come in the middle of the dead of summer. Come swimming, relax, sit yeah, but, out by but, the pool. But, but, relax. I, I noticed with Frank, he couldn't hope to jump on that because he said to you, "Oh, can we go to the casino there in the Catskills, not far from my home?" Yeah, right. So you see, okay, I get it. You're the barrier <laughs> to prevent me from talking directly to Frank and being an inquisitor. But your complexion is not your protection in this issue. Really? We have uh, two members, as you know, on the weekends. Uh, I have the brothers and sisters. There's not a white person in WABC with me in the overnights. Because, let's face it, my name is Curtis. They just assume I'm a black guy. They had no idea. Oh, yeah, we'll work with Curtis. Well, he's a white guy. What the? (laughs) But the fact is, is that Avery, who is our, uh, what is it? Frank calls him a phone talent coordinator, some nonsense like that. Black guy 
He said the only way that I could have possibly shown up at Frank Morano's uh, barbecue in Tottenville in Staten Island is if I was delivering Domino pizzas to the party. Mm. None of us were invited. I find that hard to believe. Oh, didn't you hear? There was a list. There was a secondary list. Then there was redlining. Frank kept saying redlining. Does he not realize the historical term redlining, which is to eliminate blacks and Hispanics? Does he not? You need to educate your friend on that. <laughs> am I right or wrong? What am I supposed to say uh, regarding this riff with uh, you and Mr. Morano? But, uh, you know, uh, I do understand in the ratings you did extraordinarily well again, Dominic Carter. Thanks to our great listeners. Yes, absolutely, Dominic. You're, you're, you're kicking butt, but you're in between me and Frank. And so just stay out of the way, Dominic. <laughs> just stay out of the way. You know, he's one radio listening ahead of me in the ratings. Because remember when uh, John Katsimatidis uh, welcomed me back. After wait, wait. I- you notice that that he's one above you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, You can say. Let's say hypothetically, a hundred radios are on. Okay. 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 It used to be seventeen radios would turn to Frank Morano on the other side of midnight. He was the the ratings leader here at WABC. Yeah. Uh, You were slightly behind him, and when I came back five days after I lost the uh, mayoral campaign to Eric Adams and John Katzmatidis signed me up to a 30-year no-cut contract, I began to start catching up. He was at 17 radios. I was at 13 radios. Now he's dropped down to 15 radios. I'm at 14 radios. You're right there at 15 radios. So I'm breathing down your necks. And you know I'm going into turbocharge mode now that I get to do the lunchtime edition from 12.15 to 1.00. So you start doing the analytics, Dominic. You know, you guys can run, but you can't hide. By Labor Day, I am predicting right here on the 50,000-powerful Watts of Sound, the most important news talk station in the nation, that I will be the ratings leader by Labor Day, September 4th. My brother, do you ever know me to run and hide from anything? Never have, never will. We cut from the same cloth. It's like you're from the bill. Never ran, never will. (laughs) By the way, we were talking about uh, the Patterson Housing Projects right there, 138th and 3rd, where you yes. grew up. Yes. Talked about Rocky Calavito. I had no idea he was an alumni at the high school you went to, Theodore Roosevelt, to drug school. One of the high schools I went. I went to five different high schools. I know. You were constantly on the go. I understand that. <laughs> but, you know, this all came to my thought process by... John Katzmatidis, who said, I always had to grab the Rocky Calavito Louisville slugger to fend off the guys coming in the shoplift. And I said, that's right, Rocky Calavito. He went to your high school, obviously, long before you. He left when he was 16 years old to play minor league baseball. He wanted to be a Yankee in the shadow of Yankee Stadium. He loved Joe DiMaggio. You know what the Yankees told Rocky Calavito? We're not interested in you. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability, 
worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.